Hey, hey, everyone. Back again for another great episode. Today, we've got Andrew Pledger to talk with. Um, very excited to talk with Andrew. Um, we had a, well, I've already talked a little like uh, podcast uh, behind the scenes here. I'm actually recording this after I talked to Andrew. Um, we had a great conversation. Um, it's uh, it's a long one. I know a few of you have said, when are you going to start doing really long podcasts again? Well, I don't know. They just, sometimes they go long, sometimes they don't. And this one did. It went long. So uh, um, for those of you who are wanting that, you're welcome. For those of you that uh, didn't, maybe this won't be uh, quite up your street. You might have to break it up into a few. Um, but yeah, we had a great conversation. Andrew's such a wonderful person, um, an amazing story, uh, a, a terrible story and a beautiful story and a, you know, the deal, right? Deconstruction, it's all of those things. Um, but Andrew's doing some amazing stuff now. Um, and yeah, I was really excited to talk to him about his journey and um, what he's doing now in trying to um, talk about the harm that church does, that, 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 that these toxic theologies can do. And, and, and so, yeah, excited for you all to dive into that. Um, as always, I um, want to remind you of an incredible free resource, thedeconstructionnetwork.com, completely free, helps people find others that are deconstructing in their local area. So if you're going through this alone, maybe you've lost friends, family, community, um, the deconstructionnetwork.com allows you to see if there are other people going through this process in your local area and, and maybe connect in some way, shape or form. Uh, for a lot of people, this is a really lonely journey, but it doesn't always have to be. Um, there's almost anywhere in the world you are, there's probably more people deconstructing. Um, the, the trick is trying to find them and, and this tool is, is one of many ways, I'm sure. Um, but it's always worth checking it out. So check out the deconstructionnetwork.com. We're also doing amazing research through that. And so if you want to get involved in our research, that would be amazing as well. You can hit the research tab on there. Um, if you want to support what I'm doing, everything I do is free, including things like the Deconstruction Network, these resources like podcasts and um, different videos, tools, the research I do. Um, I do absolutely everything I do for free because we've all faced more than enough financial abuse through systems um, of oppression. Um, uh, these toxic theologies that try and steal every penny they can um, from, from regular Joes uh, like you and me. And so I, I've committed to doing everything I do for free for that reason. I never want money to be a barrier for anyone to get help and, and to navigate this process as best they can. Um, and so if you would like to help with that, this is a full-time job for me though, and it doesn't make much money, believe it or not, when you do everything for free. Uh, if you'd like to support me, you can do that on Patreon. Uh, as little as five bucks a month makes a big difference. It helps me pay the bills. It helps me breathe a little easier every day when, uh, when I know those bills are coming. Um, uh, as a thank you, you get access to our online Discord community. Uh, we have a great online community there chatting away about all sorts of different amazing things. Um, and we also have monthly Zooms and we kind of do every now and again some other check-ins, some audio chats, some Zoom calls about different things. Um, it would be great to have you on there. Never any obligation. Again, everything I do is for free. Um, so plug into all these resources. Enjoy this podcast. Um, if you need to message me, shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm always here. Um, all right, that's enough of a preamble from me. Uh, let's dive into the conversation with Andrew. How you doing? Um, I'm doing good. I was kind of a little worried because I have guinea pigs and they usually sleep during the day and I'm watching them. They're quiet now. Okay. But like, you reckon they're going to kick off? <laughs> <laughs> so they love chewing at the cage, even though I give them plenty of toys to chew with. They choose right. to chew on the cage. I'm like, okay, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting think, life choice. 
yeah so like they're fine now I think but yeah that was one of my things when I um left um the faith in my family was that I never had pets growing up <laughs> okay so I am like, getting because I've wanted a guinea pig since I was like 12 and like most people I talked to they're like why wouldn't you want a bunny like why wouldn't you want this or that I was like I don't know I've had an obsession with a guinea pigs like leave me alone okay that's hilarious <laughs> my sister had guinea pigs growing up I don't really remember anything about them they're basically <laughs> just really big hamsters right I mean they really yeah that's really what they are they're big hamsters yeah. but they're like I feel like they're less mobile than a rabbit I feel like a rabbit if you leave the door open you're in trouble guinea pig yeah. you leave the door open you can catch it you know you can like kind of make a I, dart to the door you- you would be shocked how fast they are actually really I, away. I brought one of them outside just to get the sunshine and my driveway has like it's a brick wall that goes to a corner and i was like oh i'll put him in the corner so if he tries to run away i can easily get him i barely look away and he's darting towards the road and I'm, like, he's running. steve mcqueening it straight <laughs> out like great escape like i was like dude like come <laughs> on i just got you don't do this now i just picture him sitting in his cage bouncing his tennis ball right across the wall <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah the funny thing is is that i'll take their one of their cage walls off to let them walk around my room to play and sometimes they won't even take the opportunity to just stay in their cage and not give a shit i'm like okay That's so all right, funny fine. They love uh, little- it shows they like it, I guess. It's a good thing, right? Yeah, that's a good thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We we have that with our puppy, like um, she's crate trained. So she goes to her crate to like, you know, overnight, she'll sleep in it. Or when we go out for a few hours, she'll like just chill in her crate. But like mm-hmm. you do go, ah, we call it a crate, but it's basically a cage. We put these animals in a tiny cage, but she yeah. loves it in there. Like we we trained her to love it in there. We give her like really high value treats when she goes in early uh, on I- and stuff. But like for yeah. her in the middle of the day, she's like, I'm gonna chill. I'm just going to go and sit in my crate. Like, I like it in there. It's cozy. It's a blanket over it. You know, it's like, I feel like, I guess it's kind of like a den or something for them. Do you not get worried when you when you take your guinea pig outside, like that some sort of like eagle or something or an owl is just going to swoop down and take it? See, I did it once. And like, I'm very careful. Like, I know guinea pigs, they do not like open areas because they're mm. instinct. They will get eaten. So I don't yeah. put them in open areas at all. And like, I don't bring them outside anymore. Like, I learned that first time not to do that. No, you, you like were like, that was a bit too close. <laughs> no, I was like, no. I'm like, of course, with my luck, a car would have been coming right by the exact time it comes. Oh, yeah. Kills it. So I've actually seen they sell guinea pig leashes online. Like, you can put your guinea pig in a harness and it That's has a hilarious. leash. And I talked to one of my best friends. Like we should take it to the park and walk it around. <laughs> I think the weirdest thing, like so, wow. walking a guinea pig in the park. Now, now I'm just envisioning you having an eagle on a leash, <laughs> right? I mean, like because the eagle's coming down for that guinea pig, whether it's on a leash that, or not. Yeah, that, that but it can't happen. take off, and now you're like getting dragged around by an eagle. Yeah, I, I will hold on to that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I love my guinea pigs, honestly. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, great. I love it. I think there's something really helpful about having pets. It's, it's done me like so yeah. much wonders for my mental health. It's mm-hmm. also driven me a bit insane at times. And at times I'm like, this is this helping my mental health? I feel like I'm more overwhelmed right now. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, especially after kind of the early, very early puppy stages, that was intense. I'm like, yeah. okay, no, I'm back to sleeping properly. She's pretty chill. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is great. I like this. I like having this yeah. other being that likes you and needs you and relies. Yeah. I think there's something about like having that level of responsibility, right? 
Uh-huh. Yeah. That you're like, if I don't do something, you die. And I'm like, well, yeah. I guess I have to get out of bed, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I'm gonna have to go to a shop and buy you food because if I don't, you die. Like that's a right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure people are. That's basically what happens when you get kids, I guess, as well. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, that's even a whole nother level. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I need I need someone relying on me for me to be able to go to the shop and get food most of the time. If it was oh, just wow. me, I'm like, if I I'm like, oh, I'll just eat, you know, frozen. <laughs> <laughs> bread like eight days a year week yeah, yeah. Oh, i love it dude i'm excited for this this is going to be really fun I, no i'm excited for this too honestly yeah I, i've i've watched your i watched one of your or listened to one of your shows last night and like i'll just tell you that i got triggered and i stopped listening to it and like it's not on you that's on me i'm working through my shit and which guest was it it was derek myers with the ocd religion mm. it was just that title intrigued me because OCD is something I've struggled with and like to hear him and how people dismiss his mental health was triggering to me because that yeah. happened to me that. so it's like I'm like god I'm like I'm reliving this like I cannot like because yeah. I was trying to get a feel more for the show and like I really love it like your show is not forced I feel like you like let the conversation go and I feel like that is, those are the best podcasts I feel like they're more yeah authentic um and everything that needs to be said is like said yeah. and goes with the flow but um because I, I think this is like my seventh podcast i think to be honest oh, nice. so, like, <laughs> i have a little practice so like in the beginning it was really nerve-wracking honestly um but like i don't know if you know any of my story but like my first time to tell my story was on joshua harris's um igtv show every story matters <laughs> right yeah and you know it was a big moment and like i feel like that gave me the confidence just jumping out and doing that gave me the confidence to start sharing my story with other people because like i knew six weeks and six weeks in advance when i was going to be on his show and like i'm a very organized <laughs> like planning type person <laughs> that's funny and so like I was like, I was like, I have 30 minutes to tell my life story. How am I gonna do this? Because like his show is like so short. So I was like, right. So like I had to like really condense it and pick out like the main points and the main mm-hmm. thing I wanted to talk to people about. And like the main purpose of being on the show was to talk about um a photo series I worked on because at the time um I went to Bob Jones University. Okay. Um, this- super conservative fundy christian college in greenville south carolina and um this semester was my last semester until i got kicked out um back Mm. in january and i got expelled for the interview i did with him wow which yeah which was something like i prepared myself for mentally emotionally and like i tried to do everything i i did everything i could to like block as many people as i possibly could so they wouldn't see it before the video came out but it was still somehow slipped through the cracks and it was like shared a lot on campus yeah that I later i was like oh that blows my mind like i i can't so this might be me in my european little high tower or something like that but i'm like <laughs> if a university kicked you out because you went on a podcast and talked about your story you would be able to sue them like like you just yeah. would not be allowed to be kicked out right before you graduate after you've plowed a whole bunch of money into them as well. And they're like, yeah. no, we're not going to let you graduate anymore because you said some stuff that we didn't like. I'm like, 
that's not how life works deal with it yeah uh but it's a weird american dynamic that like it is definitely yeah and it's these private christian colleges like the issue is is that before you go to these universities you sign something saying that you adhere to their beliefs or blah blah and like you're you sign a thing that you will not talk about them in the media too mm-hmm. while you're at the school at all and which by the way red flag like <laughs> how do we not like it shows how much we have been yeah just indoctrinated in these concepts that we read a, p- a paper that says i promise i will never bring up anything that happens in this university in the media and you're like huh rules are usually in something for a reason and you go i wonder what the reason is and you're like i doesn't feel like there's any particular good reason that you would want to stop people talking to the media if you're a great place right only bad people say you're not allowed to tell it right i mean it's yeah i'm just like "Eh, unless you're designing the new iphone i feel like like (laughs) this is not okay yeah and like the struggle with the thing was so i grew up in fundamentalist christianity the ifb movement independent fundamental baptist for those who don't know what that is and it's a special type of wild like there's a there's a twitter account i can't remember what it's called but it's like i think it's like ifb crazy or something like that and they just get clips just from ifb sermons and it's honestly it's so triggering and so funny and i literally it's a dice roll every time i see a tweet from them i'm like i'm either gonna laugh or i'm gonna go and cry in a ball Um, but it's yeah it's it's i mean it's it says exactly what the ifb is perfectly the fact that you can have an entire tweet account dedicated to this and have regular content like (laughs) I joined a Facebook group that's for like IFB slash cult survivors <laughs> that wow. I just came up with just people sharing their stories. And there are people, a lot of people in there from like past Bob Jones students too. And mm. it's so interesting because I never, until I actually got access to the internet around like 16 or 17 years old, I didn't realize like how influential the people that I knew of in the IFB movement because my I went to Gospelite Baptist Church at Walkertown, North Carolina. It was pastored by uh, Brother Bobby Robertson for like 61 years. And he he knew Jack Hiles, he knew John R. Rice, um, all these two big figures in the fundamentalist movement. And mm-hmm. like IFB churches across all of America knew Brother Bobby. Like whenever I would either visit a church or go some, even when I got to Bob Jones, I would go to a church and I would say, yeah, I'm from gospel. I did like, oh my gosh, for the Bobby Robertson, he's like the best preacher, was an amazing Christian in the world. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> nice. And like, there were red flags in the church, definitely growing up. And like the one, I'm going to, the one nice thing I'll say about Brother Bobby is that he never had any scandals whatsoever. He's like, he's one of the few relatively famous preachers who did not have any dirt on him he was genuinely um a good person i would say Mm. and that's i think really why people have such a cult-like obsession with him and like i'm just saying cult-like because there were red flags in my church where it was like jesus and brother bobby were like on the same level almost Mm. and my parents were like they would sometimes just cry just talk about him talk about how amazing he was um and 
my parents stayed at that church for so I much. Mean, they're still there. Like they've been there since the late nineties. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, brother Bobby, he died in like 2018. Um, and so, you know, as I've been writing my book and looking back on all these experiences, there was one like a major red flag that blew my mind in church. It was when a church member was in the pulpit and they were praying to God and they were like, oh, dear Jesus, help us to be more like Brother Bobby. And I just thought, well, if God is real and he's listening to this, he's like, you just locked him in the face. Like how I just can't imagine the obsession that someone would have with a person to actually pray to a God and say, help me to be more like them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just, it, it, in that moment, I realized the unhealthy admiration that my church had for this pastor. And yes, he was right. a nice man. And I've even talked to my brother about this, my oldest brother, who's still in the funding movement. He was like, yeah, he's like, I don't tell people I went to that church anymore because I get so tired of hearing people go on and on about Brother Bobby. He's like, I get it. He was a nice man, but like he wasn't Jesus. Right like <laughs> calm down it's so interesting to, so i grew up in um a, a myriad of different churches but some of the churches i was in i think even some of the most fundamental churches i was in i was in like brethren movement and things like that yeah and in quite a few of them i would hear that kind of rhetoric and they would use the bible to to back it but well it's like paul says imitate me as i imitate christ and they would be like well imitate the pastor as he's imitating christ you know it's like it's almost like the regular person can't be christ-like but if you're lucky you might be as pastor-like as possible Mm -hmm. while they're being christ-like you know it's like this weird it just kind of creates this hierarchy that we already have in place but it's it's just doubling down on it going look you should be trying to emulate the pastor here. We're not trying to be Christ-like here. We're trying to be pastor, like be like this guy, um, which is a weird, weird thing. And I get it. Like, I mean, I've met people in my life that are in positions of power that I go, this person is genuinely an amazing person and I'd like to be more like them. Like, and I think, you know, it's, it's that's life, right? We come across people yeah. and we go, God, could I be more like that person? I, yeah. I meet people like that all the time. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of weird in the context of a religion where it's telling you not to have idols, where it's telling you to glorify nobody, but God's where it's telling you to try and be Christ-like and you're going, yeah, well, I'll try and be like my pastor and God, please make me like, if you're going to say a prayer, right? If you go, God, please like make me like, right. And he's going to answer that prayer. Just say Jesus, right. You say, you don't go, uh, who's the best, uh, that guy over there. He's like, just say God if you think he's going to answer it, right? Um, yeah, it's such a such a bizarre thing, but it is. Yeah, go for it. And like you know, part of it, like you were saying, is like um, it's really and I, it's funny because on my Instagram page, I make basically like infographics about certain topics, and like I just made one about I call it gods in the fundy movement <laughs> because there is these. I mean, they're really gods. Like these people idolize mm. them so much. And I kind of like delve into like pastor idolizing and yeah. how we can put these pastors on level with um, people's perception of what God is, at least. And the thing is, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, honestly. We don't know what they're doing at home. And like, there's so many, like, there's so many scandals in the church. And like, I think, I don't know, I think you posted it or someone else about, it was something about scandals. It was like, this isn't a scandal, really. This is just church culture. And I don't know if it was you or like. I shared to- something yesterday. That I think it was. Um, it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think who it was. Um, 
It was an is amazing. It Julia, that loud deconstructing one, I think it is. Oh yes, I think that was it. Think, is, it, is, it is she called Julia? I don't know. I never. I, the problem is with all these different people that have different handles that aren't their names, yeah. and I can't remember who's who. But yeah, yeah. It's such a good point because it is at a certain point you go, is this like normal organizations don't have this many scandals because they have systems mm -hmm. in place to not do that. Yes, we don't. It almost feels like the systems in place allow mm -hmm. for that. It maybe even. Yeah. Um, create space for it to happen more yeah. prevalently. I don't think mm -hmm. people intended to start a church where they would intentionally get to abuse people. Maybe some people yeah. do, um, yeah. but it feels like the system there, it does, it attracts wide open for that and it attracts the wrong kind of people. And it yeah, it's, it's and like, it is. And like thinking of that, looking back at my church, I would say there it was probably kept under wraps or hidden from me, but I would not be surprised if there were sexual abuse in the bus ministry at my church. Cause that was a big thing. Cause Jack Hiles from Indiana with his church or church and college Hiles Anderson that he started. Um, he, he started the bus ministry, which is big in the seventies, eighties, nineties. And Gospel Baptist church was one of the churches in America that had a huge bus ministry. I think we had around like 50 buses that we ran. Wow. Like it was mass, like big thing. And, you know, as I got older, I was like thinking about, I'm like, okay, I'm like, do we do any background checks for the drivers that we get for these 50 buses? And we have a adults not all the time but there are sometimes adults are alone in a room with a classroom of kids a tiny little it's, it's really old the building we would have like mm. at a bunch of it would be you would go into a big room and there, there would be like three doors on each side that had like little rooms that could fit maybe 10 people into it and so there were all these like hidden places around and as I got older I realized that they didn't do background checks Wow. for people at our church which is crazy the day and yeah. age that we like if you had a pulse they would just take you as a bus driver <laughs> and like the issue is there's all like the the church i grew up in like at the time i mean right now it's like 98 percent of the people are 70 and over wow so they have a completely different mindset and awareness right of the world is like yeah and major issues with like pedophilia and child abuse and like i know part of it is that you want to go to church and believe that this is going to be in safe environment away from everything else of course. you don't want to like be constantly on guard and if it's like oh my gosh what if this adult is dangerous is this or like there's this really right. awful mentality, which I noticed that once someone proclaimed that they were saved, it's like they were pure inside and out. Like, mm -hmm. okay, you're ready to get in the ministry. You're saved. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Well, let's give you all these positions. It's like, no, please. Yeah, don't yeah, yeah. It's a weird, yeah, it's, um, we, we love the idea that I'm in, you're out. We yes. like the idea that everyone in is good, like me. Yes. Um, whether yeah. I'm good or not is kind of not the point. I like to think I'm good, yeah. anyway, right? And so you can have absolute monsters think they're good. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. And we like to go, well, obviously it's the world that's evil. So the world has pedophilia. The world has whatever. It, you even see this in the Protestant church going, oh, look at the Catholics. They have pedophilia in the church. But actually mm -hmm. the occurrences of um, child abuse in the Catholic church are at the same sort of percentage as the Protestant church, which is 
by the way, terrifying because that doesn't mean that the Catholic Church is better than we thought. It means that we're totally moving the goalposts Mm -hmm. and trying to avoid looking at ourselves because the Protestant Church has huge amounts of child abuse and also clergy abuse in general. Um, Uh And so it's this weird thing that we like to look at the other person and go, they're dangerous. We're not. Yes. Why would we background check Bob? He's one of us, you know? Uh, he always walks around with his hands in his pants like like, i don't know like you're just like uh no bob it's creepy bob's creepy everyone's getting creeped at my bob (laughs) i feel like this sad thing is we cannot judge a book by its cover i mean some covers are obvious like we need to be careful discerning but it's like there are some people that it happens you're like oh my gosh i never never ever thought that they would be a child abuser yeah. And, you know, as because Bob Jones University, they get funds from the government, there's a requirement for every student to go through sexual abuse training or sexual aware, something like that, of being aware um, of signs, hmm. especially of like adults and children, of like things that might not people think, oh, well, that's inappropriate, but like just beginning signs of how a, an adult might start to groom hmm. a child because that's the day and the age that we live in. And you know, I was talking with a friend last night and he was like, listen, he's like, the sad thing is, he's like, wherever there are adults and children, there are issues of pedophilia yeah. all across in our schools, um, in our churches, in our daycares. Like it is like a systemic issue yeah. <laughs> that, you know, is throughout this, like, I, I recently found out that like the United States is like, um, the biggest consumer of child pornography. And that just breaks my heart so much. And it makes me angry because we have all these Christians focusing on these other issues that really don't matter when there is this massive thing that no one wants to talk about. I'm like, why aren't Christians speaking up against pedophilia? And I'm like, they're over here trying to take away rights from gay people, but they don't want to talk about the abusers in their churches and in these systems and it's just the thing is it's so uncomfortable yeah it's such an uncomfortable topic and like i was i was talking uh, with the family i live with it was a few days ago about the duggars and i was like how i couldn't imagine what the wife um, I don't. I honestly don't know her name. I never watched the show because I lived that life, so it's like right. I didn't care to watch it. <laughs> but the wife of Josh Ducker, like I couldn't. I, I said I cannot imagine going to bed with someone knowing that they did things like that and being silent and so submissive to it. And you know, so I was talking to my guardians, and you know, I've always, tr- I've always tried to be the person that tries to see both sides. And understand people, but when it comes to pedophilia, it's so hard, I think, especially to try to understand that person. Mm-hmm. It's like it's such an awful thing, child abuse yeah. and child molestation, and the things that are done to children and filmed and put. It's just it's so hard to empathize and understand someone who does things like that because it just it makes you see the worst in humanity and you just don't want to confront that. I don't think, I guess you would call it like, I guess the shadow part of humanity or whatever, that's something Mm. we don't want to confront. And, you know, and my guardians are like, Andrew, they're like, we're not defending pedophilia at all. Not at all, we're not. But it's so important that we understand what caused this person to do Mm -hmm. this. 
because we had to get to the root of issue. We can't, we can't just be like, oh my gosh, like you're a horrible person. Let's put you in jail. What caused right. this? Otherwise, this issue is going to keep happening. Yeah. And it's a systemic problem. And, you know, the sad thing is like kids who are not all the time, it's kids who are sexually abused, they can grow up to become abusers. And because they, number one, they never had an adult to help them work through that. And it really does mess up you like emotionally, psychologically, mentally. And I'm sure like sexual assault greatly hurts all your relationships and your view of people in general, like trauma in general changes your entire perspective, no matter what kind of trauma it is. Like I, I know after learning about trauma and religious trauma, I realized how distorted it made everything. And so what I see in like Christianity and as I've dug into deconstructing and truly figuring out, I'm like, what do I hate so much about this religion? Why does this bug me so much? Cause like, I wasn't the kind of person to be like, Oh God, I hate this. I'm not going to, I'm just going to leave it and not think about it again. It's like, no, mm-hmm. I want to figure out what are the issues. And as I was, I was talking with someone who, who's a friend who claims to be a Christian. And I was like, I told them like, you know, I have a lot of issues with Christianity, but what I see is just this going and pointing out and saying, oh, this is sin, this is sin, this is sin. And I'm like, that's so unintelligent. Like we have to go deeper. Like if yeah. someone comes out in the church, you're like, oh my gosh, like a, a sex abuse or a child abuse, you're like, oh my gosh, it's so sad that sin. And we don't dig any deeper to the causes around that and the dynamics and the complexity of the issue yeah. and the situation, we're not gonna solve these issues. It's so easy to think in black and white terms and these yeah. simplistic ways of like, oh my gosh, sin, 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 just pray, ask Jesus to your heart and he'll cleanse you. And then like, to me, it's like, it's just, it's a bunch of magical thinking, mm-hmm. really. That's yeah. what I've learned in therapy. <laughs> and because, and it's something I still struggle with with some things in life, because as I talked to my therapist, I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, not gonna lie. I'm like, I've kind of been disappointed in the progress I've made in therapy. And I was like, I'm like, I, I kind of, I told my therapist, I'm like, I just expected to tell you everything that's happened in my life and was wrong with me. And then you just told me what to do to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, he's like, it's not that simple. He's like, that's magical thinking, Andrew. Yeah, like, yeah, oh. yeah. But that so, is, I mean, that's how we grew up a lot of the time, right? We had an issue. You yeah. go to the pastor, youth pastor, whatever, your parents, yeah. and they pray yeah. with you. Maybe you talk about it a bit and you go, oh, why don't you confess? Why don't you ask God for help? Why don't you read your Bible yeah. and think about it? But yeah. generally speaking, it was a kind of like before, after, nice, clean yeah. cut. And like we all know, we've all had different things that we tried to get changed or breakthrough yeah. in in some way, shape or form. It just didn't happen. It doesn't, it yeah. isn't that simple. And yeah, and, and a lot of religion is based in these very um, uh, early developments um, psychologically, um, yes. you know, mm-hmm. very much black and white. Like if you do bad, you get punished. If you do good, you get rewarded. Yeah. And mm-hmm. even you listen to people and they're like, oh, well, I don't understand how atheists will do good because there's no heaven and no hell. Like, why would they do good if they're going to not get heaven? And why wouldn't they yeah. just go around and sleep with everyone they want or rape and kill because there's no punishment? And I'm like, wait, are you saying the only reason you don't rape and kill people is because there's no punishment? Because that's fucking terrifying. Like, awesome. But 
mm-hmm. on some level, I think some people, I, I, I don't know if many people actually live like that genuinely, but I think on some yeah. level, that's how they process it. They, they genuinely yeah. look at the other people, especially in the world out there and they go, uh-huh. Oh, the only reason they don't do that is because of some Christian values. They, they they fear hell or they, and I'm like, <laughs> no, actually kind of the opposite. Um, they have much higher morals and they are looking at like, why do I not harm uh, uh, someone else sexually? Yeah. Oh, it's mm-hmm. because they're autonomous person. Maybe I wouldn't like to be harmed. Maybe I wouldn't be like to be taken advantage yeah. of. Them. Oh, maybe that's just not right. Maybe that's harmful. Yeah. Maybe that's not healthy. Um, asking these deep questions. And I do think when it comes to Christianity, you know, sexual abuse, um, especially that of minors, Christianity is built on ethics of sexual abuse and because Mm -hmm. it's built on ethics of sex that are thousands of years old right it's built on women are property it's built on children are property it's built on children are sexual objects to be bought when they first come Mm -hmm. on their periods right i mean like and yeah let's not kid ourselves if we look at purity culture this new phenomenon that's arisen in the last kind of few decades um because it is a new phenomenon it's a weird kind of bizarre mm-hmm. uprising but like that's not always been what we had uh, as a, a framework um it's quite pedophilic mm-hmm. if, if you actually look at the 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 roots of um purity culture it's grooming it's trying to teach uh children to stay innocent to not talk about sex to not talk about their bodies to not look at their bodies yes. um, it's teaching children hey all these grown-up men are going to be like looking at you and lusting after you so make sure you cover up like it's like really really because can we talk about the fact that our church is full of men that are lusting after a 13 year old girl because she's wearing a strapless top can we talk about that not yeah let's tell the 13 year old girl that she's a sexual object like and that yeah that's the issue they're not they're not getting to the root of the issue at all. No. And <laughs> no. if anything, we're creating a larger issue. And I think oh, definitely. there is, um, mm-hmm. it, it, you look at, you mentioned, you know, um, America being the largest consumer of child porn. And I'm sure there's many factors involved there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know Pornhub have put out some really good data on this. Um, uh-huh. And obviously they don't have child porn, or at least if they do, they, they're trying to keep on top of it. They're trying to be a squeaky yeah. clean company as best you can. Um, yeah but they've put out data on like which states consume what kind of porn the most and things like that. And what's really fascinating is it's the most conservative states in America that consume the most um, Mm -hmm. taboo stuff. And so if you look at um, incest porn now, from my understanding, I don't think it's actually incest. I think it's like, you know, role play stuff, Um, but that's most consumed in the South. If you look at, um, you know, role play, like, um, sexual abuse like like forced rape um mm-hmm. you know violent porn things like that again most consumed in the south um yes. now it's consumed elsewhere of course but yes. it's it's these hyper religious places these religious Perfect. states yeah. that are consuming the most um mm-hmm. taboo yeah. um and they were talking about there's um a type of porn where they basically find adult women that look like kids and so i don't know how that plays out uh, i guess petite you know God. and they're probably dressing yeah. certain ways but again um, this kind of fake pedophilic child porn, but it's adult porn, but it's pretending. It's so really fucked up, right? right. Um, oh. But again, most consumed in the religious mm-hmm. South. And and so you look at these components and you go, there's something here about our, we say one thing, we do the very opposite. And maybe <laughs> it's not that we're doing the opposite, actually, because when you actually look at some of the theology, you go, oh, maybe this is in our theology. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, on some level, there is a whole bunch of incest in the Bible that we kind of just there like, that's what it's like. And God's ways are higher than our ways. I don't know. I'm assuming no one's going, yeah. I'm going to model that in my porn. Um, but <laughs> it's there. Um, and there yeah. is lots of sex with minors. There's lots of possession of minors. There's a lot of violence in sex in the Bible. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's weird dynamics there for sure. But I yeah. do think... Uh-huh. You know, we look at that and it's like, I don't think it's a surprise that yeah. the religious mm-hmm. uh, portions of America are the most taboo yeah. in their mm-hmm. their yeah. outlook. Yes. And like, I love psychology. Oh, and gay porn as well, by the way. Most consumed oh, in the South. Oh, oh big time. Really? Big time. Ooh. Yeah. And not to, not to uh, mention, yeah. um, you know, more uh, queer types of porn. So things like with transgender and things like that, again, oh. most consumed in the South. And so you've got all these people that are literally like screaming, like, you know, ah, transgenders are ruining America. And then they're getting onto Pornhub and being like, transgender man <laughs> has sex with, you know, transgender woman. Or I don't know, like they're fi- figuring out the most bizarre thing. And I'm like, what is that? And is that a power? Is that a hatred of the object that you're, there's all sorts of different dynamics there. Yeah, but- the psychological thing of like projecting, Fuck. projecting your hatred is something I mean, projecting is really where there's something you don't want to deal with inside of yourself. So you project there, put it into other people. And it's an mm-hmm. unconscious thing. And I think the issue really is like, like I said, I love psychology. It's something I'm getting into and I plan to get my master's in psychology. And like, nice. I've had all these questions that I write down like in a notebook. And I'm like, okay. And like, and I basically, I, like, I read like two books a week because I try to answer wow. these big um questions in my life because I feel like right now like growing up um knowledge was withheld and controlled Mm. a lot for me um like I could only read like Christian literature and if it was not Christian it was just stuff like you know magic treehouse and boxcar children hardy boys like nothing like regarding to like worldview philosophy or religion it was just these and I didn't I didn't, like I did read a lot but it's like I want to learn other things I want to expand my mind but my parents were so afraid of that mm. that I wanted to read and like to me that was just a red flag I'm like okay if you say your religion is 100 true and accurate and that is infallible then you should have an issue with me reading other things so um I discovered in the last several months um the issues and really what my issue with Christianity was, but I didn't realize it. It was just so deep inside of my psyche. And then once I actually read about it and I love Carl Jung so much. Uh, I wish he was still alive today, but yeah, he died in the early. <laughs> but if I could resurrect anyone, like forget Jesus, I would have resurrected <laughs> Carl Jung. Like... <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> and so he was a big, like, truth seeker and questioner like he did not accept the answers that religion gave us like Mm. he really did deconstruct he wasn't satisfied with the answer religion was getting and he was like i'm going to dig deeper and understand like using everything like a comprehensive way of figuring all of this out and like the thing that he discovered um the issue with the world at the core of it psychologically is that we repress this part of ourselves called the shadow. Mm. And his issue with Christianity, he's like, they embrace the light and deny the darkness, deny the flesh. He's like, 
what they're doing is that's causing an imbalance in their psyche. And he says, whatever is repressed will build up psychic energy and it will eventually be so big that it will just, it will overpower your consciousness Hmm. and things. So so for, for people who don't know what the shadow is, you know, for me, I've had to try to get this like negative connotation with the word shadow or shadow parts of yourself and getting rid of that. Oh, I'm brought into the core belief yeah and like realizing that two things can be true at the same time like yes i can have good qualities about myself and i don't have bad qualities just because i have bad qualities does that mean that all of me is rotten to the core no there are things need to work mm-hmm. on but there are still good parts of me and that was so hard for me to get to that point to know well, you know what i have good and bad inside of me and i'm aware of that and because i'm aware of that i can yeah. control that and so the shadow is Basically, it's a mix of things that are good and bad, which seems kind of contradictory that it's called a shadow. But shadow, basically, we hide things. Things are hidden in the shadows, basically, if you can think of it that way. So your a shadow can be different in every culture and different for every person. And really what influences your shadow is um, your social group, the family you're in, uh, the church you're in, community, the country you're in. So, for example, in a, um, men are very discouraged from being emotional. So mm. emotions can be a part of men's um, shadow. Things suddenly they ignore, don't deal with it, they have a negative view of. And even though emotions aren't bad, and so men are repressing their emotions. And because of that, men have such a higher rate of depression. Mm. <laughs> like the depression rates for men are terrible. And like, there's that correlation between repressing emotions and not dealing with them because that's that's just a feminine thing and the thing that blew my mind was finding out that our personalities have we have masculine and feminine traits in our personalities and our conservative traditional culture has told us no you can only be masculine and the the women you can only be feminine even though we have two parts of this in our psyche our personalities are made up so we're oppressing these parts of ourselves that eventually will explode. So like, mm-hmm. for example, like the women's rights movement, there was the more masculine traits inside of them. That's like, you know what? I don't really want to be submissive. I want a career. Yeah. About I don't want to be a servant. And so they were like, but the thing is there was pushback from the men from that. So they were repressing that more masculine part of their personality. And I just, it blows, I'm like, I wish psychology and mental health could be taught because I feel like a lot of issues we have in the world today are because of the shadow part of humanity. Yeah. You're just hiding these things, suppressing, repressing these things as a part of ourselves. And we're like, the truth is people don't understand the psyche that if you repress something, it's not going to go away. It's not going to disappear in the thin air. It is going to stay in your mind somewhere in the deep, dark depths of your unconscious. And it will sometimes <laughs> pop out oh, yeah. every once in a while when the energy becomes too great. And so really, because, you know, growing up as I got older, I'm like, I don't think the gospel is the answer for the world's problems. Hmm. Like, I've grown up all around people who claim to have their lives changed by the gospel. And I look at them and I'm like, y'all are the most unaware people on this planet of who you are and what you're capable of. <laughs> like, yeah. you're the most emotionally immature human beings on this planet. And like, I'm paraphrasing this um, 
quote, but there's a quote by Carl Jung that's basically like, whatever you're unconscious of or unaware of will always control you and you'll call it fate. So mm. it's not helping anyone out that we're avoiding ourselves. <laughs> and Carl Jung's like, he he understood too how hard it is to balance the um, light and dark in our personalities, but he's like, you know, if there's an imbalance, you know, if you embrace the light, then that's going to cause imbalance. If you embrace evil and darkness, that's going to cause an imbalance. He's like, we need, he's like, Carl Jung argued, he's like, without, like, if there's no evil, there's no good. Like, it's, it's a duality. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they define each other. So it's like, so then I was like, I'm like, it makes no sense that God is all good. There's no bad in the world because there had to be something bad to compare. And Carl Jung argues in his book, Answer to Job, which I love so much. It's one of his most controversial books and it blew my mind. And he's like, God is good and God is evil. And I was like, my blow, what? Yeah. Which is and- very like traditional. Like a, a lot of um, early religions saw God and- as all encompassed early monotheism. So early Judaism, God yeah. was God, but he was also Satan. Those were yeah. the two sides of God. Yeah, um, it wasn't. It wasn't until later that that this monotheist, yeah. that this one God, because there used to be lots of gods, and you could go, oh, yeah. some are good, some are bad, but they're all kind of equally in charge. So fuck knows what's going to happen today. Yeah. Um, and then they're uh-huh. like, uh, no, there's maybe only one God, but he kind of bit good, bit bad. Yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And then over time, we decided, no, this God is only good. And then we had to create a Satan, right? We have to, well, there's got to be a bad guy then, because otherwise, how... and then you're going, well, yeah, but is God all powerful? There's a bad guy that gets his way so much. <laughs> like, it's just this complex, weird dynamic where we're breaking yeah. this thing up constantly. Yeah. And um, like, yeah. But it's a not a, a revolutionary thought in a sense. Like, we, it's people not, for thousands no. of years have been wrestling with this. Yeah. And, uh-huh. The concept that that, that that divinity might not be all good. Yes. It's made sense to a lot of people for a very long it time. It makes sense. But it's like when you're indoctrinated in this environment, it's like God is all good mm-hmm. and all loving. And like the terrible thing is when there are these awful things, the Old Testament of what God, what God in quotations did. Yeah. Um, you know, there were things in scripture when I was a Christian that I just overlooked because it bothered me too much. And I didn't want to deal with right. that. So I was deconstructing. I'm like, you know what? Let, I'm going to face the scriptures that none of these other little willy-nilly Christians aren't really getting into. And I'm going to like, to me, it's like, okay, I'm like, I want to know what I'm truly leaving before I actually leave it. And mm-hmm. so once I read like controversial things the old testament about like there were moments of god like he had them destroy cities and he's like take the virgins for yourselves do whatever yeah. you want and like basically he's telling them to rape them and i was yeah. like oh okay like this is uncomfortable <laughs> this is not sound like a loving god at all and you know as i you know deconstructed i'm like i began to see how people use religion to justify violence and say, oh, well, God told us to do these things. Like I personally, at this point in my life, I would call myself agnostic. Like I believe in some kind of like higher source, I guess you would say. I don't know if it's personal or not, like the Christians like to say, um, but I do not believe there is a such thing as religion that is like true, if that makes sense, like mm. literally true, at least. I don't believe there's a religion that has it right, if there's an afterlife or not. Like when I die, I don't know what's going to happen. 
if someone asked me that, I have no idea. Like this stupid question, like, are you going to go to heaven or hell? It's like, I don't know if either exists. <laughs> like, I don't really, like, neither. Like, and that's, that's been the hardest thing for me is to stop believing in hell because that was used as a fear right. and control tactic to keep people in the fold. And once they, once you got saved to keep you in, they would like make you doubt your salvation too. Mm-hmm. The belief you're yeah. actually to keep you oh no like like of course he would say oh if you if you have issues or you don't like going to church maybe you're not saved he's like if you love if you're saved you'll love going to church you'll be happy type <laughs> it's like this is a manipulation you're making us right. stay you money you're like oh god so yeah. stupid it works and- though right i mean when you're in that space and you just kind of accept that these people in power know what they're talking about uh, you do you just start to go oh, maybe there's something wrong with me that i'm not excited about giving 10 percent of my salary to this person that's yeah, already yeah. very wealthy like yeah oh mate, yeah the problem is probably me why would i resent that like why would i be like that towards god who's given me everything or you're know, right it's like uh, it works like it it I makes guess. sense until it doesn't right mm-hmm. um yeah and like it's funny because when i tell people about my experiences of christianity more specifically christians say this they're like Oh, that's not real Christianity. I <laughs> love like, to say that, right? I was like, um, okay, so there are 45,000 Christian denominations across the world. Tell me which ones are right. Like, yeah. how, who are you? Make you? a list. Who are you? Like, how do you have the authority to tell me what is or is not Christianity right. based on personal beliefs? <laughs> and the thing that I hate is that whenever there's like any negative scandal be like oh my gosh no that's not christianity like they try to disassociate like they're not a part of it and it's like "Mm, they have the exact beliefs as you and they practice things the way they so it's like sorry sweetie like hate to break into you like they're christians and it's just the issue with that is if we keep projecting out other people these churches they're never going to deal with these core issues and you know, for me, like hell was the hardest thing for me to n- stop believing in, which right now, like, I don't believe in hell at all, which is incredible for me to say, or even heaven, as it's, per- as it per- as it's portrayed in the Bible of like this mm. hell is just, like torture chamber for eternity. It's just, it took me so long because, but to see, th- the thing is, knowledge is power, yeah. really. Once you find out about how the concept of hell has changed so much throughout history, it's like, well, this is not infallible at all. This is not changing. Like, this is something man created. It's like, wait, like it blew my mind when I realized that hell was never in the Old Testament. Like in the Old Testament, it talked about that you were in the shale or the grave, you're put in dirt. And like, there was no concept of hell. And I think really, as I see the Old Testament and the New Testament, it just shows the evolution of thinking of mankind yeah. and if we're talking about the reward and punishment i think the israelites and the jews had an issue of like oh i want these people to suffer like they shouldn't just die nothing so let's somehow i, I honestly i hell the interesting thing is as i've learned religion is really all religions are mythology yeah. um i've been reading joseph campbell um nice. lately and right now I'm reading myths to live by. Like I've had a bunch of his books for a while, several months, but like I haven't dug into them yet because I was intimidated by them. Like, this is really deep shit. Like, I don't know if I'm ready for this, 
but like I've been reading a lot of Carl Jung and I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I'm loving Jung. I'm like, let's dig into Campbell. If you can read and, Jung, you can definitely dive into yeah. Campbell, right? <laughs> yeah. And so it really has like lifted that burden off me of realizing that the thing in which it's so complex mythology and psychology and these Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell have done a great job. Like they are both geniuses. Yeah. Incredible how they took these concepts and basically mythology. Which I'm, I know I've just been learning, digging into this a lot this week, so I'm trying to say it in the best way. Mythology is our stories that are figurative expressions of things going on in our psyche, if that makes sense. Yeah, and. Carl Jung had this theory called the collective unconscious. And the collective unconscious is basically all of mankind in this collective unconscious, this area of his mind or brain, has these exactly the same um, ideas, symbols, and motifs, basically. Because as we look through mythology, through history, there are these cultures that would have had no interaction with each other. And their stories are the same at the foundational level, right. like the, the hero myth, the savior of sacrificing himself and dying and saving people, that's the hero myth. Like the story of Jesus Christ is not original right. <laughs> at all. Far from. It's far from original. And these the differences in these stories are the specifics, but at the foundation, they're all the same blueprint um, and dynamics of it. And so Carl Jung is like, he's like, there's no way that these people could have like stolen this from someone else. Like, these cultures had these similar ideas and what Carl Jung and Campbell figured out was that, and this really blew my mind too, was that these stories were representing forces in our psyche. And when I started digging more into Sigmund Freud and I heard about the ego, the super egg and the id, I'm like, okay, the id is this thing that is all about passion. And it's instinctual and it just, you know, basically it's like the equivalent of like the flesh. It just lusts and wants and wants and wants. Right. And like, I think the ego is like the more rational um, part of you. And I think the super ego, or no, I wait, the super ego is more rational. The ego balances out the id and the super ego. And so as I read this, I'm like, this sounds like some stories in the Bible of like, god and satan and mankind fighting and like with each other and once i started seeing the correlation of oh my gosh like these stories are reflections of things that we are struggling with in our own minds these things mm. do not literally happen this was meant to be taken metaphorically oh my god what <laughs> like it's blown my mind and i'm like so funny i'm like and it's just, and I talked to my guardians about that. They're like, yeah, they're like, the Bible was never supposed to be taken early. And just like, it's, it's a metaphor. And what happened was people wanted certainty. So they made, they changed mythology, mythology. They transformed it into literal, even that it was never supposed to be that way. And right. so it's so confusing because we're not actually learning the lessons that it's really meant to us. Right. And so I was reading about, Adam and Eve, the creation myth. So I was like, okay, well, what is the meaning of this if it's not literal? Because um, evangelicals and fundamentalists hate the idea that this, 
the creation story is a myth because if it's a myth then their entire story doesn't matter about Christ dying on the cross at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so, which is so funny, right? Because the early church yeah. didn't engage with the Genesis story yeah. as literal. So, like, wow. clearly, but Jesus still had a massive meaning to them. So they have uh-huh. so far removed what Jesus means that they yeah. have to so far remove what the Genesis story means. Right? Yes. You know, what I mean? it's like they're just. Yeah. We're constantly evolving further and further away from yeah. what probably these original stories really meant to people yes. and, and helped us. And so as I talked to my guardians, like Andrew, like we're supposed to learn from these myths and things, these stories going on. And, you know, growing up, it is so crazy to me that adults actually looked me in the eye and told me that God created the world in seven days <laughs> and that the right. world is between 6,000 and 10,000 years old. Like I, even, even in college, I was told that by Mm -hmm. professors and I'm like, y'all are full of so much shit. Like, this is not, y'all are deluding yourselves. Like, this is so ridiculous. And it's so crazy. I just can't get my head around the fact that American colleges can teach that and you can walk away with a degree and people think you've been educated in reality, but you've been told, I mean, yeah, it's just terrifying. It Absolutely terrifying. terrifying. <laughs> the interesting thing is these private Christian universities, if Bob Jones is regionally accredited. So they, they do have a very good high school education. But the issue is in order to get that accreditation, they have to teach evolution. Mm-hmm. And they do have to. And But they also teach, teach creationism in conjunction to that. So basically their way of evolution is like this is what scientists are saying this is all wrong creationism. right look how stupid it is yeah <laughs> and you know to me it's like you know what i don't think that uh, the theory of evolution is 100 accurate it's a theory but to go to the extreme and say it's 100 wrong <laughs> is like right. come on we do have evidence of evolution Yes, they might not get all the specifics 100% right, but there are general things in evolution that we can see through the fossils right. that we found in, in the aging of things. And it's like, oh, no, but God created the earth really, really old. It's like, okay, whatever. He just happened to bury the bones here. God's just like this ultimate troll. Like, this will fuck him <laughs> up. Put a stegosaurus in there. Are you sure, and- God? That seems a bit trolly. Nope. Yeah, put a, put a T-Rex and a stegosaurus in there but split yeah. 60 million years yeah, yeah that'll get them like <laughs> i remember at 13 years old visiting the grand canyon with my family on vacation and i remember my parents saying wow they're like this is so incredible that the the world where i fled in noah's ark did this <laughs> and i was like okay and i did believe that at that yeah. time at 13 old like i had no access to internet or any resources outside of christianity right. so of course it's I amazing believe- a worldwide floods that was over the entire earth only did that in one location i know right once <laughs> profound amazing <laughs> it's really funny oh god so i'm sure i digress a little bit but um that's no, good this is this podcast is all about the digressions <laughs> yeah we love the digression the rabbit holes but um but now like these christian universities it's just it blows um my mind that they're teaching this and, you know, back to the story of creation, um, 
it was Joseph Campbell. That, you know what? The funny thing is, I'm reading Campbell and Young on mythology, so I'm probably confusing which said what. Mix them up. Using them up. But one of them was talking about in their work <laughs> that they were figuring out what the um, what it meant with the fruit and the tree. And Young said his interpretation is like, it represents how our evolution somehow in our brain, like we did not have like that rational part of our brains at one point. Um, we did not have the ability to think philosophically and to just, or we did not, what's it called? Like um, metacognition or something like being aware of like being awareness. aware of awareness, basically. Yes. It's kind right. of like confusing, consciousness, like that. really. Consciousness, really. Yeah. And so he was saying that how, yes, consciousness has made us evolve and progress, but because we evolved with this consciousness, we had the knowledge of good and evil. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, really, I hate the phrase ignorance is bliss, but really before we had that consciousness, we were ignorant, lesser form animals. Yeah. And so we did not have consciousness. So we lived literally, what we really did in our own minds, we lived in a perfect world because we were unaware. <laughs> yeah. We, we couldn't think about death. We did not have the concept of what's going to happen when I die or, oh, what's the purpose of my life? I had to have some much deeper meaning right. than this. We were, had much simpler brains. So somewhere along the way, we evolved and we had that consciousness. It was like picking that fruit from the knowledge of good and evil. We had that knowledge of good and evil mm -hmm. and we realized all these things about ourselves and the world and it completely changed everything figuratively, really. Things were always really, I guess, I mean, the interesting thing is we cannot prove reality outside of our human consciousness. <laughs> right, no, absolutely. You cannot. Like you cannot go out of your consciousness and prove reality. Like, you know what I mean? That's the frustrating thing. And so people are like, no, reality is real. All right, prove it outside of yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, it's just so mind blowing. And, you know, there's all kinds of philosophers who are like, um, it's kind of like the Matrix type thing. The Matrix kind of took some philosophy and turned it into an incredible franchise of like how what if we're being controlled by some other force and our reality is not really what we think it is, this is our perception. And that maybe there's something deeper going on. And so yeah, at the core of it, it just this story, the creation myth of what the hardships that came with consciousness and a higher, higher, more higher evolved brain. And that just blew my mind. And I was like, oh my God. Cause like, I was never like, I never believed evolution for a long time. But I believed, I didn't understand evolution i hate the word believe when it comes to evolution because it's just not <laughs> accurate. I, I didn't understand evolution right and so once i actually re i've researched some i haven't dug into it a lot yet because i think it'll be a lot <laughs> like i have a lot to catch up on but um my guardians lent me a book called the inner fish so that's something mm. i'm probably going to start soon it's a famous book about evolution but as i've dug into certain things i'm like okay so we didn't always have this brain like um, like in psychology, you know, I learned about we had the reptilian brain, and then we had the mammalian brain, and then we have the neocortex. The neocortex is the most recent evolution of our brain. 
And so I was like, and I'm like, okay, and they've actually like proved this. Like they've seen this in other animals. Mm-hmm. And then ours is the next stage. And I'm like, oh my God, like this makes so much sense that basically somehow our, the unconscious is such an incredible concept. And it's something that all of mankind has really underestimated. And that was Young. He's like, Young was like, this is the issue with all these religions and even science. Like we are are underestimating the power of our unconsciousness. And when I was reading more about mythology that like Jesus was like an archetype for the self. And like that just blew my mind too. Because, like, you know, I was taught I was so wicked and awful. I'm like, and he talked, like, I think I read some about like the um, mandala, the um, symbol um, basically is like a circle um, that's symmetrical with all these patterns in it, basically, and how um, it was a representative of God or the self. And I'm like, and like, I'm not saying necessarily that, um, not in the Christian version of God, not that, like, oh, like we are God. I do believe that there is some kind of like higher source of energy or power stored in our brains. That's just all I'll call it. I won't mm. like, I guess you would say the divine within and not like the divine, like in Christianity, I would necessarily call it. And like, the thing is, I don't think we don't really understand divinity yet. I don't think personally with other religions we have, I think it's something like we haven't figured it out yet. And I think that's what I love young about. It. He's like, we haven't figured this out. Religion's not giving us the answer of really where we came from or what mm. is inside of us and what we're capable of. And he saw that the Bible was just transformed mythology of really as human beings, we are trying to balance our personalities and these forces in our psyche to create our own heaven. To me, mm. I see heaven and hell as internal states. I don't believe them as literal places. There exists in your mind. And as you evolve, like really, we're all on that journey of trying to make heaven in our minds and to balance out our psyche and bridging together our unconscious and our consciousness, basically. And like, that's really blown my mind. I'm like, oh my God, like that makes so much sense. And like Young would like show these examples of people who were out of touch and unaware. And it's really incredible because he he had like a premonition of like world war two i think or something like that and like so he knew that there was something in the psyche that was connected to something greater and to me i think and i know it's cheesy of what you hear in like new age stuff of like how we're all connected we're all one consciousness you know what i mean but i think somehow on a level we are connected um, and it's, you know, even our bodies have like um, electromagnetic waves, even from our heart that we know, and like, we can't see that, but we know it's there from the technology that we have that can detect that. But what if there's something else that we don't know about our minds that can connect? Because like I, what Young noticed was there's this thing called synchronicity. And it was where these things just worked out so perfectly that it's like something had to work this out. Like, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, let's say 
you're thinking of a friend and they call you a second later. Like it's so, because that's happened to me several times. It's like, okay, right. it's like, are we somehow connected on some wavelength? Cause we're good friends. We made that like soul or spirit connection. And, you know, I was so scared to think of life that way because I'm like, at first I was like, no, there's no such thing spiritual realm or there's, there's nothing and to me. It's like, once I realized I'm like, you know, there's so much that our senses can only sense, like our eyes can only see so much of light yeah. um, and our ears can only hear so many frequencies. So it's like, that's, that's the frustrating thing too, is that you cannot like prove or disprove um, a spiritual reality, I guess you would say. And I think to me, it's so frustrating because then that causes Christians to push their agenda more like, well, you can't prove or disprove it. So we're going to just believe it. And we're going to push this on. So it's like, fuck, okay, whatever. <laughs> it does feel like it's, with spirituality, it, it, it's kind of a catch-all for everything we don't understand. Yeah, really. Um, and so like, yeah. it's the thing of like, okay, I just thought of my friend, Bob, and he called me. Um, not the creepy Bob I mentioned earlier. Um, yeah. But it'll call back for you um but just sort of bob he called me and you would get a whole bunch of people going yeah but you think about bob a lot and he doesn't call you so maybe just sometimes why are you thinking of bob he calls you like you just noticed yeah the one in ten thousand times you thought of bob when he called you and maybe he calls you one in ten thousand times like that's yeah but then you have other people going well actually yeah maybe there is something i i you know like you think of a song and it plays on the radio you turn on the radio and you're like jesus that's the song um like but then you go well maybe somehow i'm picking up all the radio waves bouncing around the u.s right now and on some level i tuned into that song and i thought oh, i'd like to listen to the radio and turn it on it's on i don't know but we don't, don't we can't see that but maybe there's a very physical you know we yeah. create the right thing and we go oh the human yeah. brain radio waves are right. yeah so, and like the interesting thing we, is it's like mm-hmm. is that god has been compared with the unconscious because the unconscious is like unknowable Right. And to me, that my mind, it's like, we really don't know what we're capable of, really. Right. And like, the part that we do know how incredible our minds are is the collective unconscious and all these mythologies that have come across the world. And it's like, let's understand this. And like, yeah. to Young, he's like, this story, he's like, mythology is not over. Mm-hmm. Like, we're still transforming as these forces are coming in our mind. And he's like, if we are not going to take these religions uh metaphorically and understand the mythology behind them he's like we will not progress spiritually mm. or even emotionally more specifically psychologically as a human race he's like we're gonna be unaware of what's going on in our psyche and really i understood the core of it that i hated another thing i hate about christianity was that how it disconnects you from yourself a lot yeah. it teaches you that you're evil you cannot trust yourself your heart is filled like the devil can plant thoughts in your mind so you're taught to think in your everything bad about you inside and out so it's like you won't to even think that there is like an infinite depth to your mind somewhere or power or part of your mind is like comparable to a deity or something it's just not even in the mind of a fundamentalist because they're so unaware and and uneducated really on a lot of things Mm. especially like just science in general and psychology and so once I thought about that, I'm like, okay, I'm like, we're all, they're just using this religion to deal with life and to get it through. And like, really religion, like it, 
I mean, it meets a lot of human needs, at least, or answers. Mm -hmm. It really does, yeah. It does. It gives people certainty, and, like, people have that need for certainty. And, like, the funny thing is, people, I've learned too recently, that people also have a need for uncertainty. Like, we need that balance Mm -hmm. of certainty and uncertainty. Because if you're certain about everything in life, like, what a boring life that is. Like, oh, you have it all figured out, Joe, over there. Oh, good for you. All right, just wait to die, I guess. Like, (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I never understood about fundamentalist Christianity. Like it, I was so unsatisfied with it. I'm like, I don't believe the gospel is the answer to the word. I'm like, I'm like, once I got older and in college and I would sit through ch- in chapel and hear the same messages I heard growing up, I'm like, this, I was like, this shit is not it. Like, mm-hmm. this is not it. Like, and as I could think more critically, I was like, okay, so God created the world. He was all knowing. He knew that Adam would fuck up. And then he curses all of mankind for something that two people did. Um, he knew he was going to create a hell, heaven, knew he was going to torture people, but he didn't want us to go to hell, but he still created it and knew we were going to throw us into it anyways. And so just all these different things. And it's like, and even I argue with my dad, I was like, you tell me that your God is just, but if you're, if I told him, I'm like, you take the creation myth, literally. I told him, I don't, I think it's metaphor. And it clearly is, but I'm like, you take it literally, I'm like, it makes no sense that a just God would curse all of humanity for what, a, like, a man and a woman right. did. Getting, I'm like, that's not just, like, I'm like, the very premise of it is just faulty. Yeah. So I'm like, no, I was like, that's like, I don't buy into it. And like, all this self-hatred, self-loathing, and just basically, and like, what blew my mind, even, like, in college, was that, um, I just tell people like I've made a proclamation of faith like five times throughout my life. <laughs> that just tells you how unsure right. I was about my salvation. And like, how do you really know that you're saved? Like <laughs> try to make it so clear and clean cut. And like, like I said, like if you were doing these sorts of things, like, oh, you're saved. And I think it was like my junior year of college, I had one more like it was my last proclamation of faith and it was at a time when I was very emotionally vulnerable I've been struggling with a depressive episode for like seven months already so of course I was vulnerable and like a lot of the sermons in fundamentalist environments named at Bob Jones they're very hateful um condescending and shame-based and like every once in a while they'll throw in a really loving like awesome Mm. sermon that just uh, gets up your emotions that just (laughs) oh my god loves me so much and like I just felt like, oh my gosh, this is what I need. And like, really, after the experience, I'm like, that was an emotional and psychological experience. And that's that's really why it was my last one. I was like, this is not spiritual at all. I'm like, this is emotional right. manipulation. And I'm like, once I realized, I'm like, this is not helping me deal with things that are going on. And like, this term, which I learned recently, is called spiritual bypassing. And it's where you use spirituality to not deal with deeper core psychological yeah. issues it's just slapping a bible verse and like, oh it's just mental health oh just read this you're not oh you're not close to god that's why your mental health is bad like and like you don't even consider if that person's been through trauma sexual abuse you don't even consider their attachment style their relationship with their parents or anything in their past or even their yeah. genetic it was like or history of mental health either it's like oh it's like this bypassing avoiding things that are deeper and that's really right before I left it, that's what I really saw. I'm like, 
these are really, really sad people who they could not even deal with mm -hmm. reality. It is too much for them. So they have to have this to give them all this comfort of yeah. an afterlife and that, oh, someone is looking out for them now. And as I learned in psychology, how uh, Christianity really plays um, on psychological needs like hell. I mean, it's not just a place of torment in the Bible. It's a place of abandonment. Mm -hmm. And being abandoned is a really common fear for a lot of people. A lot of people have been yeah. abandoned physically, emotionally. And the thought that, oh, if I live forever, oh, I, I mean, I'm abandoned forever. Like they have, they know what it's like, like yeah. forgetting, forgetting the torture part, forget that they scare you with. Just imagine like the abandonment, the yeah. aloneness. And so they really prey on those needs. And like, the truth is we all have an inner child, really. And so there is that child too. Even when you're an adult, there's that child that wants an authority figure or a father figure or something to rely on. Yeah. And so of course, Christianity is like the perfect solution that, oh my gosh, God, the father, like, here you mm -hmm. go come to our church, pray, like you can be good with God, give to our church, just do all these things, do all these rituals to give you emotional and psychological satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. And so the thing is, I definitely do believe there are benefits to religion in general. And there are definitely like negatives <laughs> to, I mean, it's really, it's how you approach it really. Yeah. And to me, and like, who approaches it as well, I think is a big factor. Some people are yes. in a place where they need that, right? Like you mentioned. Yes. And I think even culturally, mm -hmm. you go back 2000 years, mm -hmm. people needed a lot more stability, right? They, did. they didn't yeah, they have did. stable cultures. They didn't have like, no. like no. your city could belong to a completely different state uh -huh. nation next week. Yeah. Um, or even like crime, like police, whether you're a very big fan of police yeah. or not, but there wasn't much law and order in the past. Yeah. And, you know, you could go somewhere and kill a bunch of people and probably get away with it in, in certain okay. contexts, you know, like that's yeah. a terrifying place to live. And actually I need to, I need to believe that um, if we all do the right thing, we're all going to be okay. And if you do yeah. things that are bad, there's going to be a serious consequence. Even if, even if there's no police to arrest you and jail to go to, which to some degree there is these kind of things, yeah. you would burn forever. You'd be abandoned forever. Oh, that yeah. makes me feel Better. more safe hey, knowing that people yeah. wouldn't do that surely they wouldn't choose to go to hell um yeah. or even also it makes me feel safe knowing that that person that abused me um who will never get what he deserves will get mm -hmm. what he deserves and so yeah. i say this as well like a lot of time like people talk about hell as trauma and it can be but for a lot of people hell isn't trauma and in fact for a lot of people hell is the answer to their trauma because yeah it gives them the peace knowing that that person that wrongs me that person that killed someone that person that abused someone hitler whatever it is these people that don't seem to get what they deserve in this life huh. will get yeah. what they deserve later and so i yeah. think like these things they're complex right because that complex. could really harm someone mm -hmm. and yet it really helps the next person and you're like yes, what the fuck is that it's complex yeah it is complex thing and like trauma is honestly it is subjective yeah and we are we all have different minds and the interesting thing is, is you know i talk about the collective unconscious of course 
we have our own personal consciousness, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, collective unconscious, that theory of that brain that's universal. But, you know, we, we all grow up in different families who have different opinions, who raise us in different ways. And like I said, our personalities and then our dynamics of our families all influence these things and how we perceive the world. And really, um, what I've learned is that trauma is not the event itself, but it is your body's and mind's reaction to the event. And, you know, for me, it was hard for me to read about that. And it kind of, at first, it made me like, blame myself like oh no I didn't react the right way to do this or this but once I learned more about it I learned that it was actually instinctual it was nothing that I had control over which was also the thing I had to like wrap my brain around because I was always taught that I have a free will that I'm I'm you know I can always make choices and that if I do wrong it's my fault but I'm like no it's like there are there's a part of our minds that are that's instinctual that causes us to do things that may not necessarily like it technically it does protect us these instincts that protect us um you know like I'm still alive today because of all of the survival instincts that kicked in during that my time in fundamentalist Christianity like I struggle today with disassociation and it Mm. really stops me from living my life but it protected me then yeah and really what I learned is that you know my body and my nervous system was always in such a state of like dysregulation. And there was so much that my mind couldn't deal with all these messages being thrown at me at church. And so my mind's like, all right, we are checking out. We are leaving your body, your presence. So like I lived, even at college, I lived in a state of like constant disassociation. And like, when I talk about my past with my therapist, I'm like, it all feels like a bad dream Mm. because I was rarely present like my mind and my body, like it was somewhere else. And the issue is, is that now that I've left that environment, I'm having, I'm learning to really get in touch with my body and be aware of my body and things that are going on and be present because that danger is gone. But like my mind is still so used to that. And so that's the incredible thing that I've learned about is that in order to be present, you have to be aware and in touch with your body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really like fundamentalist Christianity and Christianity can really fuck up and has fucked up a lot of people psychologically of just really this self-annihilation, um, this disconnection from yourself that really it creates people, it makes them helpless and it makes them so dependent on this system. And yes, there are emotional rewards that they get, but in the long run, yeah. like it messes you up so much yeah and it just saddens me to see these adults um that still go to these churches and i'm like and they can't see how much it has stopped them from progressing as human beings just from enjoying life yeah and you know and of course you know my parents still hold their beliefs and like they see me as like i'm blind to the truth right i'm on my way to hell and that they're enlightened or whatever and you know the thing that's always scared me too and worried me it's like I've, I've been so worried really I'm like I do not want to turn out like my parents in a sense where I'm so unaware of myself that I will stay 
at an emotional maturity of like 16 years old. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so worried because like, as I was talking to my therapist, I'm like, my parents are really emotionally immature. I've realized in the last like mm. year, because I, I read this book, um, I'm trying to read it. I think it's called um, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. And yes. I, I think it's great for like anyone to read religious, who's brand of religion or not. And just to understand the emotional development of your parents and what's going on in their minds and why they behave and do things the way they do. Because for me, leaving Christianity, I'm like, I do have to find a way to get over these things and eventually forgive people. Because yes, there are things in the Christian faith that are good. Of course, there are good teachings in it. Like, you know, um, there are, there is love and like talk about patience that you know as I tell my dad I'm like yes I'm like there are good things in the bible but I'm like there are bad and awful things too so I for me if I take advice from the bible I I, I cherry pick like you mm. know what I mean there's some advice in the bible that I think is good it has good wisdom to offer but it's like I'm going to critically think through it and like think of the context of when this was written and how does it apply to me today in this day and age mm. and playing that in and you know, understanding too, it's like, okay, well, what have we discovered scientifically or psychologically? Because when this was written, there was psychology wasn't a thing. No. They were so unaware of themselves. And they had like oh, a lot of the writers of the Bible had so many issues. But <laughs> anyways, we won't get into that right now. But so to me, it's like, okay, it's like I I don't like I'm not a Christian, but I don't have to be a Christian to take advice from the Bible, from things. Um, and like, I'm exploring other religions too. Like, I don't have a, I don't have to be a Buddhist to like, listen to some Buddhist teachings otherwise. Yeah. You know, I'm just learning. It's the beauty of being free, right? Yeah. It's beautiful. I can like take from all these different things and apply them. And like, and I don't have to put so much pressure on myself to conform to this one standard or be one way. It's like, no, I have autonomy over my life and like it's just you know I think I'll be healing from religious trauma the rest of my life and like that's fine and to me my mantra mantra is like progress not perfection because perfectionism was something I struggled with so long and it's like you know what if I am making progress every day if I'm learning something new every day expanding my mind um, becoming a better person then that is enough Mm. and the awful thing is like, you know, in these funding environments, you're told a lot, you're a complete failure, that you fail God every single day. And that you have to confess and be so sorry. And it's like, I'm like, it was just to me growing up was a toxic, toxic cycle of, yeah. you know, at first meeting standards, oh, feeling shitty about it, feeling like a shitty person, praying, forgiving, asking God to forgive for the awful things, and then feeling good again. Oh, and then doing something wrong, feeling shitty. It's like, this is a cycle that goes over right. and over again. And it's like, as I got older, I'm like, I'm not becoming better from this. I'm not growing. I'm like praying about these issues. Like there were some problems that I'm like, I shouldn't pray about this. I should actually take the autonomy and initiative to work through this mm-hmm. on my own because I have the power to actually do that. Yeah. Like I'm not a helpless thing. And they try to make you think you're so helpless that you can't do it without God. And, you know, I think the issue with that though, 
it can stop accountability. I feel like if you're like, oh, well, I can't do this on my own. Like, oh, I only need God. Oh, there's our God didn't come through or something like this. Or, oh, I wasn't trusting God enough. It's like, and then that's the thing that annoys me too about Satan, which obviously I don't believe as like a literal being. It's It's a metaphor, but people were like, oh, I can't believe the devil had them do that to you. Or I can't believe the devil's and like, what right. happened? What happened to your doctrine of free will and choices? That <laughs> so much? And now the devil is the guy making people do all yeah. these things. Like, where's, where did that go? Yeah. Not to mention all the things like, you know, the devil can't, you know, who could possibly be against me? I'm, you know, got Christ in me, you know, your spiritual yeah. or all these different things. Like, <laughs> it's just so funny, right? Like, yeah, it, it, it it's interesting all this, you know, like, I think yeah. it's really intriguing looking at um, taking a zoom out and looking at society in yeah. forms of development. And you yes. look at, um, you know, maybe our parents, people in the mm-hmm. church still, even in our age or whatever, that are at these um, maybe less mature, less developed mm-hmm. stages psychologically. Um, and that's not to say worse at all. Yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. it's, it's really important to identify that. Um, people are at the stages of development they need to be. It's mm-hmm. kind of a weird dynamic. And it's yeah. only when you are ready to move on that you move on. Um, yeah. And so you wouldn't look at a seven-year-old and go, look at them, look at them. Uh, I don't know, just yeah. believing their parents when their parents say there's a Santa Claus and just accepting that. Yeah. What an idiot. Why are they not using rational thought? And it's like, well, because they're yeah. seven, they don't really have those skill yeah. sets yet. And they don't need those skill sets yet. Like, Life yeah. is still rosy and colorful and let them enjoy it. Um, it's going to go to shit soon when they wake up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's this thing of like, this works for so many people. Mm-hmm. And I'm often blind to the fact of how much it worked for me a lot of the yeah. time as well. It did work for me for a very yeah. long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it just didn't make sense anymore. Something clicked yeah. and I started to yeah. think more rationally. I started to be more autonomous. Yeah. I started to care a bit more about like, yeah, yeah. I love being a part of a group, but also I don't like that I give up being me to be a part of this group. That's not yeah. okay. I want to be me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's really interesting that, you know, we look at certain stages of development can be very stagnating um, mm-hmm. at, by default. Um, And so, you know, stages like this conventional stage that most religious people are at is very, it's all about staying still. In fact, a lot of times it's about moving backwards, right? It's, it's glorying the past and trying to move things back to what they used to be. Um, But I think there is a danger as well that we do the same at our next stage. Right. And, and so like we then raise our kids and we go, this is great. I'm not raising my kids in this weird environment where i tell you like you know i'm the boss everything i say is true and if you know everything the pastor says is true everything this bible text says is true you can just have safety and security based on those things that might be nice to have at one point in our lives as we're developing having some stability having some safety knowing some people that we can trust maybe mom and dad or a teacher or whatever but they want to grow beyond that and that's the beauty of maybe when we look at you know you and i people that are have moved out of this we're then raising the next generation yeah. The question is, can we still go, yeah, but this is still a journey. And frankly, if we get them to where we are, that's a mm-hmm. failure because they'll get to where we are by default, just existing in this space. 
Yeah. We want them to get to the next station to go, next oh, station. Jesus, can you believe Phil and Andrew? What a bunch of idiots. They're always <laughs> like stuck in their ways. They're not really moving forward. They're not going because that's kind of how the human race moves and evolves, right? We we do kind of start to slow down. We start to find our, our rhythm. We start to go, this is healthy for yeah. me. This works. And that's the weird part, right? Is that you can be in the IFB that, that you know, and it can work for you. And everyone's looking going, that's not working for you, dude. And you're like, no, it works for me. I don't care. Like, it, you know, so what even working for you means is totally yeah. de- debatable, like, right? Are, it, what's healthy for me, other is, people I look at and go, that you are not in a healthy space. You are not dealing with your emotions. You are not doing this. And yet for them, it really does work for them. It's not causing enough issues that they need to move on. And yeah. that's a hard space to... Uh-huh. Uh, it's a hard thing to engage with, like recognizing yeah. like you know, my parents aren't going to move on and become yeah. super rational and autonomous and they're not going to get where I'm coming from. And now I have to figure out how do I talk to them knowing that? Cause yeah, I kind of want to talk to them still. I f- yeah. I'm figuring that stuff out now too. Like it's hard. And you know, that I think I would say, um, like I understand, I guess what you're saying of how, we do evolve to these certain stages and we stay there. And I think these fundamentalists, and we can even, the funny thing is we can leave fundamentalism, but we can't always take the fundamentalism out of us. So like, it's hard to get rid of that, but it's just, we cannot view people and their and them in black and white. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, what, what might work for someone might not work for someone else. And I think personally, I don't have an issue with, I guess you would say religion, but my issue is, is when someone goes as far as to use a religion to one, take away people's rights to cross boundaries, um, to force their beliefs onto other people and to berate me and tell me I'm a horrible person for not doing that. And so to me, it's like, you know what? I'm like, there are some people that for some reason, as a psychological development they're at, they get something from this IFB movement. I'm like, you know, it is not for me. I, I've grown, I'm at a different stage in life. I'm like, there were different ways that it harmed me because of my sexual identity and my personality and different things. So I'm like, this is clearly giving them some comfort. And like, I'll have people sometimes message me. And like, I know that's literally your thing it's like to help people deconstruct and they'll come to me wanting answers. Mm. And like, I don't, I don't like that. I'm like, I'm like, listen, I'm like, I cannot tell you that is like against everything. I believe <laughs> I don't believe. And just, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. I'm like, no, what, what I do for people. I was like, Hey, I'm like, I believe the path is different for everyone. I, t- I tell people, I'm like, I left Christianity because that's what worked for me. And I'm like, there are some, there is a benefit for to religion for some people. And I'm like, that might be working for you. And you maybe can approach it if a different way, if it's not working now, because someone right now who is going to Bob Jones, they contacted me. They're like, I'm stuck in an IFB church and I hate it so much. So like, if this is Christianity, I want nothing to do with it. This is so terrible. And then like, people are telling me that I'm the issue but here's some, it's like, there's something like, I'm not growing as a person. It's stifling me. Like I'm suffering. And he wanted me to give him all these answers. And I was like, listen, I was like, I just told him, 
I'm like, I'm not a Christian. I left it, but I'm like, if you want to stay in Christianity, I basically just give, I gave him this long list of questions to ask and explore. I'm like, I found the answers to these questions. Go find them for yourself. Don't mm. ask people to tell you what to think. Think for yourself <laughs> critically. Like that's, I'm like, that's a major step is like taking autonomy. Yeah. And it, like, he thanked me. He's like, he's like, why? Well, I'm going to dig into the, these questions for a while. And so he might look at totally different resources than I right. read. Yeah. He might jump to different conclusions yeah. that I did. And that's fine if it works for him and it makes yeah. his life better. And to me, it's like, it's all about a path of healing and living your best yeah. life. And, you know, inherently, like, I do believe fundamentalist thinking is harmful to you psychologically. Yeah. And for some people, they might not, they're not mature enough to recognize that. And really, I feel like people who end up deconstructing, they do like a cost benefit, like analysis right. type thing. And I feel like we've all done. And it's like, how much has this really benefited me? And how much is this like harming me or costing me? And I think for some people, the fear of the afterlife is so great that that benefit of feeling secure about that, right? knowing that is enough for them. And if that, if that keeps them from going to the nut house, then fine. Or, you know, mental illness is just to call it a nut house, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like I, sh I shouldn't talk light of mental health because I've struggled with that, but it's just, you know, I've heard, I've had several people message me and be like, oh, without Christianity, I'd just be in a nut house. I'd be in a mental institution. And the thing is, though, they're assuming because it does that for them, that anyone else who is not a part of it is like um, more prone to danger or more prone yeah. to being institutionalized. Or they're like, oh, so it's this assumption of, oh, it works for me. So it yeah. must work everyone. Um, like for me, I try to educate people on like mental health and psychological issues and psychology is so complex. I don't think everyone has the same exact issue. If that makes no. sense. We all have like diff different issues because of the environment we grew in because of our family history and things. It's not a black and white thing. So I don't go around people and telling them, Oh, this is what you need to do to heal yourself. It's like, no, it's really just taking the autonomy and learning to trust yourself. Yeah. And yourself and explore and find and know what is true to you because what you believe or what you don't believe or whatever, like it has to be personal to you. Yeah. And people, people will slide in my DMs, um, not too often, but sometimes like preaching the gospel or throwing at me or like there are some things that is triggering. And I'm like, <laughs> and there are sometimes I just delete it and I ignore it. Yeah. And there was one person like messaged me because I posted something about, um, I don't know, the transgender rights issue in Texas. Right. And they messaged me, they were like, do you believe that there are two genders or that we're born with a gender at birth or blah, 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 blah. And they wanted me to tell them what I believed about gender and stuff or what I knew at least about gender. And so I didn't even answer the question. And I told them, it does not matter what I believe. I'm like, if your beliefs are causing you to harm humanity, that is not okay. I'm like, people matter more than beliefs. So I'm like, transgender rights should be protected because people mm. matter more than beliefs. And like, I don't care if you think that's science, or that's scientific or whatever, these arguments, they, they pull science out of their pockets or try right. to. 
yeah. everyone. A group is, that has been well known to uh, disassociate from science their entire was, lives, right? <laughs> their entire lives, like, oh, this is a good out of their pocket. And they're like, oh, well. And then they'll say, oh, this is what a Bible verse says. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> no, it's like, no, I don't care. Like, <laughs> right. It's like kid pulling out, like, you know, I read this in like, you know, like spot the dog went to the zoo and you're like, yeah, yeah that doesn't mean anything to me. That's a kid's book. You know, it's and, like, eh. <laughs> you know, and you know, it's so sad growing up in church and saying like, oh, like if a girl has, a, if a girl has a vagina, it's a girl, if a boy has a penis, boy or whatever, that's it. It's like, they have their genital and it's like, gender is much deeper than what's on your right. body like yep. and gender is something i want to dig into and learn more because i'm not educated on it that's yep. another thing so i'm not going to talk much about that because i'm not educated on it but yeah. i believe human rights and human beings matter so much more than yeah. belief systems or beliefs and so whenever i have those people attack me for like protect like being vocal yep. about trans rights i'm like listen i'm like my my life my motto is humanity over dogma yeah like every day i will always put humanity over dogma yeah because people matter so much more and like i value people so much more that i've left fundamentalist christianity mm. it has really blown um my mind because i still had those fears of like what if i do go down the slippery slope that they talk about <laughs> and that i am going to end up in this terrible awful place and I guess for me it was so terrible to stay in it that the other option I risked and like I ended up everything being okay now like you know mm. what I mean like I made it like I mean I look back and like it's blown my mind of how the things I used to believe and the things that I'm that I've deconstructed and even things that I'm still deconstructing and like taking apart and you know there are some days where it's harder for me to understand. I'm like, why do people believe this anymore? Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you get you get to this point psychologically um, of maturing and like, you can't really understand that anymore. Even yeah. though you're in that place. You can't remember what it was like to be like that. You can't for sure. remember what it was like. It was like, and like, to me, like I try so hard to have empathy. And like, to me, if, if I do have a hard time with empathy, like I'm a very empathetic person anyways, but if there are some things I'm like, okay, I'm like, let me understand psychologically their level and like psychology has really helped me let go of that I guess you would say bitterness and hurt of what my parents did because it made me understand that they have very wounded inner children and they were very undeveloped psychologically because of their upbringing yeah their beliefs so it's like not that any of those things excuse their behavior or diminishes it yeah. but I think that understanding of that side can help you move on things. Yeah, at least like, individually, for sure. Like, yeah. I think you raise an interesting point about the, the fact that, you know, someone gets in my DMs and starts yelling at me about trans rights or uh, about why I don't believe in God or something, whatever they think I believe. I don't tell people what I believe, but they decide what I believe anyway and they yell at me. Yes. Um, <laughs> and yeah. 9010, I used to chat with people like that and be like, hey, okay, so why do you think like that? Like, what, what, let me ask you some questions and just like help them process a bit and then be like, okay, on you go. Uh, but now I'm just like, I just don't have time. I'm busy, I'm busy. I don't, yeah. I don't have the mental space to chat with people that yeah. don't want to. And, and most mm -hmm. as well, 90% of the time, they don't want to actually talk. They don't want to no, listen. They don't want to have a conversation. Yeah. They just want to convert you, which is not going to happen. Yeah. 
but yeah there's a dynamic as well where it's like i'm not going to convert you so i'm like okay delete block restrict whatever now there's a difference between that and uh-huh. um we are a church that's actively harming uh, a yes. group of people, LGBTQ, yes. great example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, people growing up in that church are now more mm-hmm. likely to self-harm, commit suicide, yeah. have depression, have anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, feel feelings of overwhelm, end up um, in um, full-time mental care. All yeah. sorts of stuff are more mm-hmm. likely because you're in that church. Now, this is where the American Europe divides, and I'm speaking very mm-hmm. much as a white European mm-hmm. here who doesn't know the rest of yeah. the world. I couldn't comment on what it's like in Asia, in Oceania, in mm-hmm. um, in Africa, and different parts of the world. I couldn't comment, but I do know the difference having lived in England, in um, Europe, and in America. There's a yeah. weird dynamic where in Europe they just go, "Well, this is harmful and abusive, so it's illegal. You can't do that anymore." Now they haven't, to be fair, made it illegal for churches to you know not be okay with gay people or something like that. Yeah. But it is pretty illegal to talk major hate speech from the pulpit now, um, yeah. which, you know, it would be common things that people talk about in America. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's illegal for conversion therapy and has been illegal for conversion therapy yeah. for a very long time here. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. not very long. Very long's not fair, but you know, a decent yeah. amount of time compared to a, a lot of other places. Um, yes. And so you look at some of these things and you go, it's really, at the end of the day, these people are not going to i look back at when i was in that place i wasn't going to just suddenly accept gay people the bible says gay people are bad or gay people go to hell or gay people are an abomination or you can't just tell me like well you have to accept people or you can't say well that's a bit harsh to gay people have you thought about how that hurts them i'm like no i'm thinking about the bible right i mean from that fundamental perspective you're not convincing me to do otherwise Mm -hmm. it's only when you have major repercussions The, the government step in and go this is the rules um, yeah, I talk about this occasionally about um, clergy abuse. And so there's um, mm-hmm. a, a major international study mm-hmm. on clergy abuse. And so um, they found that they basically found that clergy abuse is rife. It's everywhere. It's all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's across every denomination, yeah. every uh, religion. And they were like, one of the main things. And so they gave like a list of like, here's some advice for people that are in the space of clergy. Um, these are some things you could do to reduce mm-hmm. it. And so one of the things was like, you have to put a window on your office that the reception, the, the rest mm-hmm. of the church can look in. So if you're meeting with someone one-on-one, there's a window into your office. Um, yeah. And what's interesting is in some countries throughout Europe, they made that a law. They legislated. They said, oh, wow. yeah, that's a good rule. Yeah, let's just make that a rule. And they did. And you know what happened? Clergy abuse dropped. <laughs> you know what happened wow. in America? They went, not in my America. You're not putting a window on my office. And clergy abuse still is more right yeah. in America than it is in Europe. And, yeah. It's, and it's, 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 so it looks like, so my point being, I guess, is there's this weird dynamic in America where you are so never make laws for re- reducing my rights. You'll never make laws forcing the church to do something. And yet we're seeing in the last few months there's mass laws being petitioned mm-hmm. to be to take away the rights of those that are being massively persecuted and abused and yeah. hurt and, and yeah. harassed. Um, and so it's, it's a weird dynamic where I don't know how much the church is ever going to change if they can't be legislated yeah. against. And yet yeah. they're now even like so far in the cognitive dissonance that they're mm-hmm. going to make, they're going to fight for laws that uphold their yes. very uh, views because yes. they're so 
scared. They're so threatened by the idea that a gay person might be able to talk about their sexuality at school or a trans person might have access to a bathroom. Like that's so scary to them. A trans person might be able to undergo, um, you know, uh, uh, hormone therapy. Like that's so scary to them. They'll institute a law, but when they're told you doing this causes people to kill themselves, could we maybe tone it down? They're like, not a chance, no way. It's such a fascinating dynamic that I don't know how you, how you engage with someone that's on that level to help them see that harm yeah. is what's going on and why and you can't get them to see a person is more important than that yeah rule. that rule is everything yeah um it's, it's a really it's a wild dynamic that it yeah it's quite uniquely american in some ways it at is, times but maybe not maybe, at least within an american european bubble i will say yeah and western like, european at that as well yeah in america like i was talking with some recently i'm like because I was talking to someone about vaccines, <laughs> of course, and they were like, well, yeah, like, I cannot believe my parents buying into this and just getting the vaccine, like, oh my gosh, just being willing to give up their rights, like, they barely even tested this, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, I think they're trying to think of the greater good, and like, I told this person, I was like, I think you have such a more of an individualistic mindset, mm. And they have more of a collective, collectivistic mindset, collectivism, and they care about the community. And you know, you seem to me care more about individuals. Mm. And they were like, "Well, they're like, we shouldn't give up our rights. Our country wasn't founded on that." And like, I understand these arguments of like we've always struggled in America of that line of the separation of church and state of church, religion staying out of government and government staying out of church. Right. But the problem with that is though, and I've I've recently made a post or a quote about this, is that countless children across the US are abused under the guise of religious freedom. Right. Because they can do whatever they want. Yeah. Basically. And it's like, of course, there are laws in the U.S. that, you know, if someone is sexually abused and someone goes to police, well, they're going to arrest that person. It doesn't matter what their religious beliefs are. If they use religion to abuse someone, like, that is against the law. They're violating human rights. And so, sorry, like, that doesn't matter. So, I think the struggle is that finding a way to (laughs) make these environments safer with more regulation which they do not want at all they don't want any god they got upset about you being told hey if you got a vaccination that we've tested and tried and it's being used all over the world and most people that are experts in vaccinations seem to think it's safe um, it would mean that your friends would be safe, your family would be safe, yeah. that people wouldn't be hard. They're like, no, you cannot force me. And I'm like, whoa, we just yeah. said, do you want it? Like at first, like, you know, it's just like, yeah. um, how on earth you start legislating yeah. things that are really, I mean, the Bible's not even talking about this. They only care about vaccinations because like fucking Trump said something or, you know, some QAnon yeah. or something probably somewhere along the lines. Yeah. They're not even, or, you know, Jenny McCarthy or whatever. It goes back that far yeah. to the uh, autism uh, vaccinations and stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, yeah. But 
yeah, I mean, when that is something you can't talk about, there is no way, no way no. they're starting to go, oh, something like homosexuality, which they've loved to make a deal of, especially yeah. in the last few decades. Mm-hmm. Like it's been a yeah, huge deal. Um, yeah. It's mm-hmm. been so linked to faith. Yeah. Um, and like that, I, yeah. something that there are organizations in the US and people that have like, their main purpose is to help make churches um, safer. And like, yeah. I know, and like, obviously not all churches are going to take that advice. I know there are somewhere, I can't remember who did it, but like someone has like a spiritual abuse guideline or just abuse guideline just to watch out for in your church. You can be aware and watch out for these things. Um, and I think it just goes back to that. We want that place that's a safe haven yeah. and have the illusion that it's safe and it's fine and like we can do whatever we want and we people even when like sexual abuse scandals happen the church members can be in denial about it oh big time right big time and you know it is that struggle of like it's because we don't believe in the dark we don't believe in the shadow so yeah. a pastor can only be good he can't be because the thing is yeah. most of these pastors that are abusing someone or hurting someone they probably are nice people to you. Yeah. Yes. They probably are nice to be around. They maybe do have some wisdom to share with yeah. you on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. They maybe do understand yeah. their Bible. Maybe they do help an old lady cross the road and not cheat on their taxes. Yeah. That one's definitely mm-hmm. debatable. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yes, they can also harm someone sexually. Yeah. That's, these are not independent. Um, you, you mm-hmm. can be a really good person and do some really, really horrendous yeah. things. And like, you can be a really bad person and do some great yeah. things. Two things can be true at the same time. It's like that black and white thinking, though, stops them from even considering that. And like right now, you know, I've pondered and thought, I'm like, what can we actually do to fix these issues in these churches without... Um, really you know obviously i do believe you know in free speech so it's like i it's it's such a hard area to go into you know what i mean it's like if i feel like if one part is speech is taken away why can't they take away other parts like is that kind of back to that dogma thing of like who is the authority to say what you can or cannot say yeah and to, to me personally Obviously, I hated that pastors say hateful things in the pulpit. And, but technically, free speech covers that and they should be allowed to do that. But my issue is, though, is when that individual child is forced to go to that church by their parents, yep. or when that child is forced to go into conversion therapy, that crosses a line. Mm-hmm. That child is being forced to do something. And it's like, you know what? If that pastor wants to be hateful, fine. I won't be around that. I'll leave. I'll yeah. go to a healthy environment. But kids can't do that. Yeah. And I think really what I hope for, which I hope children will start to get more rights <laughs> as we progress in yeah. America, in the world, because I do not think children have enough rights. Because I think... No. Especially in Christian environments, because children are possessions. They are possessions. And so I, I look back in my childhood and there were times, if I would have been given the decision, I would have said, I am not going to this church. Right. I had the maturity at that time 
to know deep down inside that it was causing me harm. I might not have known all the specifics because, you know, I wasn't intelligent enough or developed enough that I knew that it was harming me. But the more I resisted, the more I was made to go to church and things were shoved down my throat. So it's like, you have to eventually learn to just shut down mm-hmm. and be compliant because you learn the more you fight, the harder they're going to make it on you. Yeah. And so to me, it's like, in order to make our churches safer, children need to have more rights. <laughs> yeah. And in order to do that, though, too, the problem is with this homeschooling in the fundamentalist movement is that yeah. they don't have any other adults to go to. So there is something bad going on. What? They're stuck at home and yeah. they're stuck at and so, you know, I know to a lot of people and parents out there, it's like, I think, you know, some might see it as radical, but I am against homeschooling most definitely. Like mm. I am not there at all. And I don't think it's healthy or good. Rarely. It's a rarely a good thing. I think, and like, I've known families who have done homeschooling and it's been great because their parents were good, healthy, balanced people who generally yeah. wanted a good education and they continued to get them involved outside of religious settings and other things. Yeah. But the problem is if sometimes parents might think they're doing the right thing for their children, but they're not yeah. <laughs> at all. And it's so important to have those different environments of other mm-hmm. adults that a child could yeah. go to and say something is going wrong. Because think about all the children who have gone to schools and a teacher has noticed that maybe there are bruises or something's going yeah, wrong. Absolutely. And Or the fact that, it, I mean, I don't know exactly what it's like in America, but certainly in the UK, it's legislated. Kids are regularly talked to and talked and explained to, these are things that are okay to happen in the home. These are things that are not okay. If you ever feel yeah. like that, these are the yeah. people that you can go and talk to. They're always here to talk to you yeah. if you want. And actually they will regularly have meetings where they check yeah. in with you and go, Hey, are you okay? What's going on? Like, tell me yeah. about your life at home. Like that can't happen in a homeschool, especially no. when it's like mom's beating the shit out of you. And she's the one responsible to tell you, Hey, yeah. if someone's beating the shit at you, that's not okay. Well, in, <laughs> in America it is okay to beat the shit out of your kids. It's, it's legal. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. But like, you know, or, or someone's abusing you, you know, sexually or or whatever it might be, um, that maybe is more clear cut. I I can imagine some people still being like, oh, it's okay to spank your kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, that's again, this thing of like, we don't like laws. We don't, we don't like that. What, but you're, you're going to indoctrinate my kids telling them that if someone's, you know, doing this to them, it's not okay. Well, that's ridiculous, you know? And it's like, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Again, it goes all the way back to the pastor, like the, the university, not wanting you to talk to the media. It's like you have a problem with us uh-huh. talking to kids, saying, "Here's some red flags if adults in your life are doing this." You don't want us to do that. What the fuck are you doing with your kids? Right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's the first question you got to ask. It's like, mm-hmm. wait, yeah. why are you not? Because any healthy adult goes, "I want my kids." to know that they're safe, have someone to talk to. If I, if my kids get abused and I don't know about it and they're scared to tell me, I want them to have someone that it might feel safe to tell. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's yeah. It's, it's just bizarre. These it things, that, but, but it is important that property has as little um, autonomy and choices as possible. Yeah. Um, and, and really the, the Christian ethos is that children are property. Yeah. Right and like, 
really, that's honestly how I felt growing up. And really, I especially thought that's how my dad viewed me. I'm like, I'm just a mini him, really. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's how he sees me. I'm just something he can tell what to do, who to be. Um, like he, he like put himself as a representative of God. I mean, they, that's what they do in the patriarchal form is that, you know, the man is like representing God. So like, if you disobey him, you're disobeying God. So it's like, there's so much fear and shame. Yeah. The issue is the man is corrupt. That really distorts your view of like a higher power most definitely. Yeah. And like religion, it can definitely be very, very traumatizing. And, you know, I think you know, for homeschooling, like in the U.S., it's in law. The, okay, so they cannot legislate federally how to make how to regulate homeschooling. So homeschooling laws are different in each state in yeah. the U.S. Because I think somewhere it's a constitution where um, the government can't decide um, these like foundational um things for like education which even though there's such thing as public schools like i don't get but like it's state it's interesting because i think like the federal government pays the state and then the state then disperses whatever so like there are some states where a social worker will visit a house every once in a while right to make sure and which i think is a great thing that social workers should definitely be every once in a while um checking up on these things but like the issue is is in most states not all of them that usually the bare minimum is that you have to register yourself as a homeschool so the state is aware of your existence and that you have a like your homeschooling you have children at home so that's usually the bare minimum sometimes the issue is though there are homeschoolers that don't even do that and the state has no idea that these children exist and that they're not really in school and like there were some people from my church where their, so child, their children were like 9, 10, 11 years old, and they were not doing schoolwork. They were working for their parents mm. at like their local store or whatever, helping their business, using child labor, basically. And I'm like, part of me is like, I really, really want to call like social services and like have right. them come to the house. And like, this is not okay. Like depriving your child of an education right. is abuse. Not giving your child life skills is abuse. Like making your child work for you is abuse. Like that's childly. Not like, like oh my god. Like when I heard stories of that, that the state had no idea, and that these children probably the rest of their lives will probably be illiterate and not have yeah. any idea how to read, how to do anything or integrate into society, which like, creates more of the same. Right. So then they grew up and they have kids and they're scared of their kids going to school because they were taught to demonize it and they aren't equipped to teach. Like, yeah, it's astonishing to me. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife's a teacher. Um, She trained. She's got a master's in teaching. She had to Mm -hmm. train for multiple years being observed as a teacher every week Mm -hmm. and being marked and getting feedback constantly by her peers. Yeah. Um, and mentors and, and and like it's a very long process to, to mm-hmm. learn that and that's at a primary school level so that's up to the age of 11 in this country yeah you mm-hmm. just to teach you know basic math english science yeah. and mm-hmm. whatever else they do you know a bit of history here a bit of that like yeah it's and, and so everyone goes ah yeah i could teach a 10 year old math and i'm like the thing is most people can actually if you sit down and go okay 
what is a number? Mm-hmm. Well, well, what's a number? Huh? How do you teach someone that's never thought of what a number is, what a number yeah. is? Because I can point to one thing and say one, and I can point to two things and say two, but not really understand what counting or numbers are. And yeah. this is actually, there have been studies of this where they actually sit down with eight, nine-year-olds that can do their 12 times table yeah. and do multiplication, but yeah. can't actually mm-hmm. count. Yeah. And so like- if you break them out of that mold. And so how, how on earth are we expecting a random person to do this up to the age of 18? That is so true. It's, it's like, terrifying because teaching is a skill. Terrifying. It's not yeah. about the topic. It's about the skill of teaching as well yes. as the topic. Yes. And like that does blow my mind too, because like you're saying, we have these high standards for these public schools and private schools. But then homeschooling is like, oh, you have the right to do whatever you want with your children. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's scary. Like, oh, man. And- America, man. Oh my gosh, it's next level. It just it, it, it every time I'm just constantly like, oh yeah, that exists. That's a thing. But then I I was laughing about this in the last podcast I recorded, maybe two podcasts ago. Um, I've recorded a lot of podcasts in this one week, um, but I just read this study that um, the UK government did uh, looking at Americans and how they see other Americans, and um, so they grabbed like. I don't know what it's like 10,000 Americans did yeah. have them do surveys. And they basically asked what percentage of American adults are, and then they fill the gap like black. Uh, so obviously 13%. The average response was 42%. The average American thinks 42% of America are black. Problem. Next, what about um, live in New York City? The average American thinks 30% of adult Americans in America live in New York City. What? Transgender. The average American thinks that the that adult Americans, of adult Americans, 24% are transgender. What? Right. I mean, you're looking at it. What's fascinating is obviously- I didn't know this. Wow. this is, well, this is a brand new study. And, and, like, and, it, and it highlights that there are averages are fascinating, right? Because we all like to think we're above average. Um, yeah. But the definition of average means we're probably somewhere near the middle. <laughs> right? yeah. um, so um, you might be above average in some areas, but like average is a scary yeah. concept because this is the average American thinks these things. So it actually means that a lot of Americans think even more than that, which is terrifying. Because um, mm. you've got to assume that a good p- chunk of Americans are educated, know, you know, like what's yeah. going on, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. A lot of people with this, like they're college educated and they're giving like wild answers, you know, like that 28% are Muslim in America. And you're like, what? Like, are you kidding? Where? And so what it highlights, what they found was they found that, that the more, um, the higher the percentage you think of your population are different than you, the more you demonize them. And so what they were saying is what's interesting is there's narratives in America that make you think uh, that there are yeah. more people that aren't like you so there's more transgenders and so now i'm I, i'm pushed to demonize i gotta fight the transgenders one in four people are transgender right like it's like i've gotta yeah. fight the gays i've gotta fight the muslims because they're taking over and you hear this language a lot and of yes. course they actually do think that they're taking over they do think wow. that there's 30 percent, 25 percent um and of course these numbers are usually in the single digits um you know the tiny percentages a lot of them um, yeah. 
and it, they did other things like what percentage of Americans own a car and different things. And it showed how much privilege was there where they thought like 90% of Americans have a car and it's much lower than that, you know? And, um, but it just highlights again, like there's a, there's a wild disparity in, um, perception in of education and and, and that yeah. leads to a wide yeah. disparity in perception uh-huh. which leads yeah. to these radicalized positions where we uh-huh. demonize people groups that are you know it's like the white christian white evangelicals think they're a minority are they fucking uh-huh. kidding like you know what i mean yeah. like like but they genuinely see themselves again that was on the list and they saw themselves as a minority they they thought uh-huh. it was only a small percentage you know like 25 percent or so, i can't remember the numbers on that one but it was low and i'm like well, of course you do. You think, you know, 30% are Muslim and 28% are Hindu or, you know, I don't know what it was, but you're just like, yeah, yeah of course you think you're a, a, you know, they thought, I think it was like 36% are atheists when it's like, like, I think it's like 5% or something in America identifies atheists. Wow. So low. Um, but I think a lot of that is stigma and different components as well. But Yeah, most definitely. Um, it's, it's bizarre. But yeah, so I just think, you know, you look at things like homeschooling and you look at the type, like at the end of the day, I know a ton of smart people that homeschool. And I know a ton of people that are really um, very educated in child development and, you know, and know how to raise a kid in a really healthy way, giving them amazing emotional intelligence, you know, giving them a very well-rounded education that maybe is better than the public school could, could do for them. But that parent is the outlier. And most parents that want to homeschool, they, they all want to do it because they think you can do a better job. But the amount yeah. of people that can do a better job, probably very, very small. The yeah, amount of people that think they can do a better job, but actually it's probably a very strong indicator that they can't, right? Yeah. The fact that you think the public school is so bad probably yeah. indicates that you're biased mm-hmm. against what public education is. Yeah. Um, and yeah. It scares me because once the pandemic happened, homeschooling like grew in like record yeah. rates. Um, parents wanting to control um, their children's education. And, you know, they're so defensive of homeschooling in America. I remember growing up in a homeschool group and there were times like we, every year our group would visit um, you know, I, at the time I lived in North Carolina, so the capital is Raleigh. So we would go to Raleigh every year to talk to like different legislators to make to have, make them or convince them to support homeschooling. Because mm-hmm. there are times when laws that try to regulate homeschooling or make it better or safer for children, the parent sees that as taking their autonomy. Yeah, really, and. My issue is, is that, you know what? Your child has autonomy. Like, what is your child? Yeah. What is your child? But even that, what does that even mean? What does your child want? Have you talked to a kid that's grown up in a fundamental home that has only been (laughs) homeschooled? What they want, they don't really know. They've been... No, no. uh, Me and Till watched this funny documentary recently. So we watched a documentary where they look at these different um, scenarios and they were sitting with this family that are extremely radicalized, don't trust the state, don't whatever. And they're in the UK and they don't homeschool their kids, but they don't, well, they homeschool their kids, but they don't school them at all because they don't believe in education as a model like that should be really done. And the doc, the, the person that's doing a documentary, this woman, she's sitting with this like seven-year-old and she's like, 
So you could choose to go to school or not. Your mom and dad said you had the choice. And they're like, yeah. And she's like, so why didn't you choose to go to school? And she's like, and this, this kid, like six or seven years old, goes, everyone that goes to school are just sheep. They don't think for themselves. And I'm like, no. I don't know if a six-year-old's kind of developed that kind of language or thought yeah. mm-hmm. in a vacuum, right? So yeah. has that kid really, do they understand what their parents even mean by they are, are sheep? Yeah. And they don't think, they're, like, uh-huh. they're just parroting what their parents believe. Maybe when they say you're 15, yeah. 16, you might uh-huh. have a bit more. But yeah. even the concept of children can, even if, you know, because I guarantee a lot of people that homeschool their kids go, well, we give our kids a choice. We say to them, do you, what do you want to do? And a lot of them are going to choose to be in homeschool because the, the public school is dangerous. It's evil. They have knife crime and gun crime. And, and there's all oh, the, the black kids are there and they're dangerous. So, you know, like yeah. wild. And, and I do want to identify that we are being very critical of people that homeschool. And there are lots and lots and lots of people that homeschool really well. I had a, a great person on my show yeah. um, a while back that does homeschooling. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they've integrated some deconstruction. They've decolonized yeah. history mm-hmm. and do lots of really great stuff. So, this yeah. isn't solely about um, yeah. that homeschooling is bad, just like it isn't about that all church is bad. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. that these things unregulated without looking at it nuanced, mm-hmm. without thinking about yeah. it carefully, can be really harmful institutions yeah. and, mm-hmm. and ultimately are designed uh, to stunt growth rather than yeah. encourage it. Mm-hmm. Right. And Most like, people want their kids in school, in a homeschool, so they don't think for themselves. So they don't. Yeah get exposed mm-hmm. to different ideas yes and like i think it comes back to like like two things can be true at the same time like i get tired of christians posting statistics of things like oh my gosh people who go to church have so much higher mental health and i was like yes maybe so but like have you looked at statistics of the lgbtq plus community how it gets worse for them like they don't consider everyone they're like oh well since this is a high percentage all of the church is good. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, two things can be true at the same time. The church can be doing a lot of good and the church can also be doing a lot of bad. Yeah. And just like with homeschooling, a lot of people can be doing good with the homeschooling and a lot of people can be doing bad. Yeah. And so it's learning to have those regulations to help the bad, really. Yeah. And to make sure that everyone has equal opportunities. And like, to me, it's like if a parent sees their child struggling in school and they cannot help them in homeschooling get better, they need to put them in some kind of school and like even like socialization yeah huge deal i mean the amount of homeschool kids i've met that i'm like whoa this is like talking to an alien it looks like this is your first interaction with another human like what's happening right now (laughs) like you know for me it was such socialization was such a struggle for me and like i had to like basically integrate myself into Mm. society and just learn from trial and error how to deal with like yes technically i was socialized in the church and homeschooling but that's not the same thing you know what i mean it's a whole different breed of people they're not like like they're not diverse if that makes sense i was around very similar people who believe the same things basically and so i needed diversity of views and people in my life so like working at a fast food restaurant was like my way from that it was like throwing Mm. myself out into a completely different environment it was good for me yeah it was good and like i know for many years i i worked so hard on socializing i think you know part of my personality made that harder because i was more of an introvert so like homeschooling helped me avoid people a lot (laughs) yeah really and eventually i'm like i have to like i gotta i gotta have life skills like 
mm. how to interact and to collaborate with people and get along and understand like we need connection too we need community so i'm like i can't just do this and yeah re- recently in greenville where i live now i saw someone in a coffee shop that i met a couple of years ago at bob jones who's still there and like you said it's like that talking to an alien type moment where it's like they have no idea and it's like it just made me so uncomfortable inside. I'm like, this poor person. Then I realized this was me literally like five years ago. It's like this poor thing is in college. And it was just so scary. I mean, even a Christian college like Bob Jones, like, because the thing is, it is a thing of like, you can only shelter someone for so long. The real uh, world exists, and at some point, I mean, maybe yeah. not. Maybe if you go into a family business and you yeah. only your business only does business with other church, Christians in the church or something, or you're you know like the pastor's kidding, you're going to be the pastor next, or I, yeah. I, there's maybe some real niche scenarios where you're not going to have to be exposed to the real world. But like, yeah. I remember because um, again, in the UK, homeschooling is very rare. It's becoming more popular. Yeah. Um, I uh, think, especially through the pandemic, it's become uh, yeah. a bit more interesting. The, the discussion. Um, mm. But the level of um, education in America in the UK is so much higher than America as well, you know, with things yeah. like that as well. So maybe that would play in and make it a bit better. I, I don't know. I, I still am like, oh, I don't know. My wife's a teacher and, and, and every now and again, we're like, we could homeschool a kid. And it's like, I don't think it'd be healthy. though. I still think we'd be. Yeah, I don't know. I just want them to have more diversity in their life. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, there's I, I have met pe- people over here that have been homeschooled and there's been times where I'm like. I'm stepping on eggshells because I feel like I might break you, like genuinely. <laughs> like I remember one time I met this, this uh, girl that was about my age and I think I swore or something. I said, fuck or something. And she literally like oh, ran, no. turned around and ran away in the middle of a conversation. And I was like, oh, and I didn't even know what happened. So I'm Scottish. I say fuck every 10 seconds. I'm like, yeah, wait, what did I just do? Cause I'm also an awkward teenager. And I'm like, I, don't know how to interact with girls or other people in general. I'm yeah. autistic. You know, there's all sorts of different things that were backed against me is socially, but I was like, yeah. what just happened? And I found out later it's because I had said fuck in a sentence and she just no. literally turned and ran away. And I'm like, she was like 16, 17. I'm like, you should be able to deal with the fact that some people in this world are going to say something you don't like. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you might still go, Oh, I, I don't like that. And I'm not going to cuss or whatever. Yeah, yeah sure. But great reaction. It's like, it was, it was funny. Like looking yeah. back, it still makes me laugh. Like such, it was like a comedy sketch or something, you know, like it's amazing. Like, an <laughs> SNL skit or something. <laughs> oh God. Wow. But it's, it's just not setting people up for, for success. And it's the same deal with, with the church. It doesn't set people up for success in mm-hmm. a world that has moved on developmentally like generally speaking those outside the church and also i want to touch on this because this is really interesting you mentioned that people outside the church have lower mental wellness but there's so much nuance to that when you go mm-hmm. well people in the church are taught to bypass mental wellness so yeah. when you do a survey and say to someone in the church do you feel healthy do you feel yeah. happy mm-hmm. are you content yeah. the default is you have to say yes you're a christian you yeah. are and also when you go how do you feel depression it's like nope nope i don't do that i just pray every time i feel down i just pray and it's like well oh, so yeah. you do feel down you just aren't acknowledging that and you yes. aren't digging into it yeah. and then what's interesting is that statistic falls on its ass really quick when you look at secular um, societies so in america this holds up well that people yeah. outside of the church have lower mental um uh wellness index um and actually lower physical index and actually also die earlier so mm-hmm. sorry <laughs> yeah. but um 
that's true it is true that if you have but what's interesting about america is most people grew up in the church still even those people that are outside Uh, the church grew up in church and so actually in societies where people have grown outside of the church from birth what's Uh interesting is they score similar to those in the church but people that have left the church still have those low numbers and so what's really interesting is what's really bad for your mental health is leaving church apparently (laughs) um that's the one that hits you because you've got some shit to deal with and you've repressed everything and you've not looked at things whereas growing up outside of church as a agnostic kid atheist kid in a family you're probably taught to look at your mental health you're probably taught to deal with some of that shadow stuff yeah it's it's, yeah Mm -hmm. healthier i see that too i understand that because i hate it when pastors generalize people who leave the church and they're like oh they do this and this and this but the issue is they don't actually want to know the core issues of it they just want to push their religion Mm -hmm. this is why but when you said that people who grew up in religion and leave it can have bad mental health it makes me think of oh religious trauma like they're working through their trauma that they endured in the church and just lack of learning emotional um, skills like you know for me I was so emotionally dependent on religion it was really hard for me to get away from it Um, and you know for me personally my mental health has been much better since being expelled back in January Um, I I didn't realize how dysregulated my nervous system was to the, I knew it was, but I didn't know how to the full extent of the effect it took on my mind and body. Because, like, you, you've been in that in your whole life. Yeah. It's a reality. So then when you get out of that and, like, you're able to be in a safe environment, it's like, oh, my gosh, like, that caused me so much harm. But I think the hard thing about leaving church is that you have that certainty for years and then you don't anymore. Yeah. And you really, you needed to form your worldview earlier but then you're having to form it later. Right. And, <laughs> and that's so hard to do. So I really do hate it when Christians use statistics to push their agenda because they're not looking at everything. Yeah. They're not looking at the fine details or the causes, or maybe like you said, people are dishonest. Like it makes me think of that toxic Christian positivity thing. Yeah. I was in church. Yeah. Shame, like, I found out, which I'm working on in therapy, is that when I get sad, my sadness is so bad because I have shame about Mm. being sad. And if I just remove that shame, being sad wouldn't see such a horrible thing, really. Mm. And most of the why my sadness is so debilitating and depression is that there's so much shame around negative emotions. So that's one of the things I'm working through in therapy is like, you know what? I'm sad. And that's okay. Yeah. Why am I sad? What's going on in my life? How long is this going to last? What is happening? Like really critically working through it. And like journaling has been, has worked wonders mm-hmm. for me for working through these moods. It's like, why do I have, why do I feel shame about this? Why do I feel shame about being sad? Like this is a normal human emotion. Like I, I can't be happy about being sad, you know, and vice versa, these mm-hmm. duality of things. So it's like, you know what I mean? So learning really that it's okay to be human <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean yeah and absolutely it's really hard when you grow up in these churches and you're taught to just self-annihilate 
um, your psychological, emotional, intellectual, mental growth is just stunted. And then you're thrown out and you leave and you throw yourself to the world. You have no idea how to deal with anything. And of mm -hmm. course, your mental health goes down because you have no tools because they were never given yeah, to you. Absolutely. How do you expect these people to yeah. be better when you've taught them to be so dependent on you? They can't, people can't even trust themselves. Yeah. You know how to deal with themselves. What do you expect? And it just frustrates me. And it's like, to me, and I think we were talking earlier, is education is really the key to fixing a lot of issues. Because what if our parents would have been educated in psychology and mental health and how to emotionally regulate? Yeah. Think about how they would have changed their parenting. Having this more holistic view of life all around these different worldviews and approaches to things and understanding the complexities of life, which can be uncomfortable, but it's a reality. And applying black and white thinking to a complex world just doesn't work. Doesn't no. work well, yeah. anyone, either side. Yeah. And, you know, and I understand too, that there are issues with public schools um, in America. And like, I definitely do believe- Yeah, especially in America, right? I mean- Especially in America. <laughs> and so I understand why parents are like, oh my God, these schools, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, Yes, but then again, like we were talking about, people need to be qualified to teach children. And like, the problem is, okay, just because you let your child go to public school doesn't mean you can't help them with homework or help to learn at home. Right. Yeah. Like what's stopping you from helping your child at home, which of course work, I understand. Like Americans are, we try to do so many things i feel like mm -hmm. there's so much pressure uh, which i you know it, it's frustrating because you know i'm 21 years old and i'm not engaged or married and like <laughs> and but, like the christian community in america it's like oh like you gotta get your college degree and you get married <laughs> kids and you work a full-time job the rest of your life and you die and to me that just sounds so terrible like i just rather yeah. die right now and like, for me, it's like, you know what, if other people want to do that, that's fine. But I don't want to follow that method. Do I want to get a college degree? Yes. Do I get a master's? Yes. So I'm going to get a doctorate. Yes. Like I have all these goals in life, but like, I feel like for me, I've learned not to chase happiness, but to chase purpose mm. really. And really, I think that's what, what has made my life really more, a lot more satisfying and like finding purpose outside of religion is, you know, and I think personality do has a lot to do with that too. Cause like yeah. I am, I'm an INFJ. So like we are naturally like activists and advocates for people. We have that. And so it was, I think it was just easier and natural for me to find purpose in my life. And there are some personality types that find that very difficult. Yeah. And I think these religions draw or they draw to these religions because it kind of gives them that, oh, well, this is a purpose. This is something that I can do. And so and I, I still get frustrated when people are like, oh, like, how can you have purpose without the church? Or like you were saying, how can you have morals without the church? And you now we're talking about this psychological development and just growing and realizing like, I know earlier you were talking about how, you know, why don't you just go around and do all these terrible, awful things all the time? And it's like, you know, people understand 
the causes of their actions. And it's like, mm. you would have to be an absolute maniac to enjoy causing violence right. to someone else. And just you would have to have so much trauma and so much like warped kind of worldview to do that. I don't think it's possible otherwise. Um, And yeah, I remember like I think it was like my junior year at Bob Jones that I don't usually get in arguments with people, but this time I decided to because it had been like two years I already been there, so I was beginning my junior year and like. I worked in this, um, the photography studio and like, there was always also a lab monitor there. And like, I had gotten COVID-19 the fall of 2020. And so I was out of work for a while. Like, I think it was like, I was in quarantine for like two weeks and I came out and there's this one girl um, that was at the desk and I came back and I was like, oh yeah, I was gone. And I was like, I was sick, I had COVID, I'm fine now. And, she, and it was so weird because she talked to me she's like oh she's like did you miss church and like I wasn't really sure what she meant like physically or did I like emotionally I right, was like emotionally well, miss it yeah so I was like um well I'm like I was like of course I had to quarantine but I'm like no I didn't and like usually I lie to people in that environment right. like I have to conform be like oh my gosh like yes and like at that point, I was so tired of being fake. Like I was, I was the person that I despised and I hated it. You know what I mean? I was the hypocrite, I right. guess. Um, and it's like everyone thought that I was this goody two shoes, perfect rule following person. And looking back, I would say I was still, I was a good person. I genuinely cared was kind of people. Did I break a lot of rules? Yes, I broke them all the time. I probably broke every single rule in the rule book because I care <laughs> about that. No. And I knew how to get away with it too. And it's like, because the funny thing was, I was always a rule follower and a perfectionistic person until getting to Bob Jones when it was just too much. When I mm. realized this wasn't necessarily religion, but just ideology yeah. and things that were forced onto people to conform. And it's like, I have to be my own person, but I was honest for the first time. And I was like, no, I did not miss church. <gasps> and she was like, oh my gosh. She's like, are, so you, funny. are you saved? Oh my gosh, Andrew, I'm so worried. Cause you know, you're supposed to love going to church if right. you have Jesus in your heart. But anyways, and like my argument with that is like, there are so many kinds of churches, like right. which one meets that criteria. It's like, just because you hate going to an IFB church doesn't necessarily mean you don't like believe in quotes like right. You know, what I mean? it's like there are so many churches. So who are you to say like, oh, you don't like going to this one church? You must not be saved. <laughs> so it's like, and, you know, and I kind of got it was my first time to actually argue with someone like about their beliefs. And for me, it wasn't necessarily about being right. It was about making her actually think through these difficult mm. things that I have been looking through in scripture and she justified all these terrible, awful things. And she, she justified the story um, of the Pharaoh in Egypt of killing all these babies. And like, did you think that was okay for God to do? She's like, oh yes, that was, yes, that was totally fine for God to kill all those babies. She's like, those people, they did not repent. So, and I was like, well, what about the babies? What choice did they have? And she's like, oh, well, they were born with a sin nature, so they deserve to burn in hell. She believed that babies, when they die, go to hell. This right. is how radical. And I not deserved how- it because they have a sin nature, something they actively yeah. chose. It's not, no. it's not their choice it's- at all. 
like according to the Christian doctrine, if it's you know, if you're taking it from a literal standpoint, it wasn't that baby's choice at all. Right. Anyways. And so I even argued that with her. I was like, well, that's not that baby's choice. I'm like, well, God created, like, according to your scriptures, your God created that baby and then sent it to hell because he was born with a sin nature that had no choice with. I'm like, it makes no sense. And, and, and she was just kind of not sure how to deal with that. And I was like, I'm like, and then after she just justified God killing babies, I'm like, how do you feel about abortion? Like mm-hmm. I went there and I was like, and she was like, doesn't matter they've got a sin nature they deserve to go to hell yeah and so it was like it's funny because like it was that moment of cognitive dissonance i caused for her right it was so uncomfortable and at that point she was like you know andrew i'll put you on my prayer list (laughs) it's like okay i was like and like for some reason i gave her my number i don't know if i wanted to play with her more or whatever or toy with her like but eventually it got to the point where it was like triggering for me that she would text me every once in a while, like, oh, I'm praying for you. Oh, I'm hoping God, blah, blah, this, this, and this. And now I, at one point I just, I blocked her phone number. I blocked her on social media. I was like, I am not dealing with this. Cause right. like, she actually, she actually did not want to get to know me as a person yeah. or about my life or what I had been through in any shape or form. Right. It was just, just about a project. Her being right. Yeah, it was a project. It's her to force her religion and make her feel better about her beliefs and make her feel so self-righteous. Yeah. And at that point, after that one argument, I was like, I don't think arguing with these people is ever going to do anything. No. Ever. And so as I worked through and dealt with, like I struggle with mental health a lot through my teen years and always always blamed for it that oh I wasn't trusting God enough I was doing this or this and this it was always my fault which put so much blame on me and so eventually in college that's when I discovered that after having like my fourth depressive episode and like trying different antidepressants that I was like I knew you know but there's something deeper psychological happening mm. I don't know what it is and then when I finally came across religious trauma I was like fuck I literally like broke down crying because it's so awful to suffer constantly and to like to not know what is the issue because to know to have a solution you have to know the problem and it's like when I discovered that term it was so much for me to process that I just I put I ignored it for a while I was like I don't even have time to process it that's so much like to think that everything I had grown up in had completely destroyed me and hurt me psychologically was too much to handle yeah. at that time you know what i mean so it's like it took me a little bit probably a year after hearing the term to actually be like i have to actually start digging into this because i'm like it, to me it's like i can't get any worse than yeah. how i felt at that moment so it's like you just jump into the abyss of it's just, that cost benefit right it has to yeah. be that the pain of staying still is more yeah. than the pain yeah. of taking the jump you know yeah yeah and so it took me I think I've been, I started writing a book since I was 19 and it was something I had never, ever planned to like release publicly ever. I'm like, this is my private thing. I am just, I knew I had been through a lot and there were so many unprocessed things in my mind and I need to work through them. So writing, I thought was a way to take those stories out of my mind and think of ways maybe, and I, I hadn't even yet at 19 i didn't know shit about psychology yet um so i was just like okay this will help me and it it did help me at some points but like it didn't get 
to the core because I didn't understand those situations and how they went deeper and um, how it hurt my psychological growth and my mental health. And so I think it was, I would say it was probably, probably that semester of 2020 when I argued with that girl, that's when I really started digging more on the internet and researching things. And like, it was hard to do that while juggling college mm. on the side yeah. and doing other things. So long story short, after I made that final proclamation of faith and realized it was emotional and psychological, that's when I decided truly, that's when I started consciously deconstructing really deconverting mm. or destroying like i feel like deconstruction and deconversion are seen as synonymous but they're not right yeah but that's what i'm going to emphasize that i decided to deconvert at that point yeah um i had already tried for so long to get rid of the toxic things out of my faith but like i i underestimated the power of trauma most definitely mm. <laughs> and the effect of the mind and so then i deconverted really to take back my autonomy and my mental health because the bible was used as a weapon really against me to harm yeah. me and to push me into submission so you know the bible is very triggering to me usually i haven't read it in years and like there are still like verses that i remember of like or teachings that i follow like the golden rule is something i feel like oh, there's one thing right. that people take which it's not inherent to Christianity anyway. No, no. It's Originally, it's long before Christianity. Long before, long before it. So it's like- Jesus I stole it. it for sure. Yes, he did. And so, and that's when if I realized that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but I'm um, sorry, what was I saying? Oh yeah, deconversion. So like for me, it was like, okay, it's like I need to deconvert because this religion is so harmful because of the way I grew up. And the damage is had yeah. on my psyche. It's distorted everything for me. And really, that's that summer is when I started digging into psychology. And now I was like, yeah. you know what? I'm going to face the monster in the closet and deal with it. And so after like six months of digging into psychology books, which that went from like June to December of last year, I finally digging into psychology. Uh, my like growth grew like exponentially, like straight up. That's how it, and it's like, I figured out so many issues. Like there were just times I'd be just reading books and just crying because I finally knew how this damaged me. And that really, I feel like for victims in these environments, they minimize and then are in denial about, yeah. oh, this didn't happen to me. So I shouldn't be like this. But once they actually find out like, oh, this is actually really crucial to grow as a healthy human being and not gain this can really yeah. damage you and cause it's a lot trauma. to grieve the, it's a lot the, the loss grieve. of like a healthy childhood it did it is a lot and like there are still some days i just i i'm just sitting in my house by home and i'm like as there's times i still grieve about the childhood i didn't get or things that i'm like i was a child why do they do these things to yeah. me why do they not let me be like why do they take my innocence so quickly and it's still some things sometimes i'm fine some days i'm not like that's the thing about healing it's not a linear process really yeah it's a, to me it's like a roller coaster <laughs> a crazy roller coaster and to, and, <laughs> and to me it's like you know what it's okay if there are days i feel bad because that means i'm still healing 
healing doesn't always mean feeling good, which I feel like that kind of toxic positivity can be around healing. It's like, you know what, have the resources you need. Like for me, I am a believer in therapy plus medication combined Mm -hmm. together because there are things in therapy that are hard to work through and they can trigger PTSD symptoms. And, you know, I recently had an appointment with my doctor and I'm like, Hey, I'm like, I'm working through religious trauma. Um, Can I get on Prozac? Because I really, I heard that can help with PTSD. Like, what do you think? Or should I get on something else? So she's like, Oh yeah, Prozac, that should really help you manage that as you deal with these things. And so I'm like, okay, because like for me uh, personally, you know, I mean, really in truth, medication cannot heal trauma. No. I don't care what big pharma tells you how incredible their drugs are and what it can do for you. Medication will not make you process your, med- uh, your memories. Your medication no. will not make sure that you grow psychologically. It just deals with symptoms, not the roots of the issue. And so for me, I know mental health is a complex issue. So like, I know there are people where medication is a cure because they're bipolar and they have a chemical imbalance or they have a chemical imbalance because of depression. Like there are, there are instances of that. It's not like, oh, all people should just go to therapy and that's the answer. No, I think medication is the answer for some people. Um, I think therapy should honestly be something that uh, everyone should go to not that it will solve their problems but that they can figure out how to solve their own problems on their own because that's my magical thinking that I have with therapy is my therapist he's not giving me the answers he's guiding me to the answers yeah um and he's giving me the tools that I need to heal myself and he's guiding me on the way and helping me and so I'm like you know if we could all go into therapy to help us honestly just be self-aware and to consciously work on emotions. Like not that the world would be perfect because it never will be, but it would be a better place. And every (laughs) every single person in the world could learn to be self-aware and regulate emotions. The world would be a much better place. Oh, seriously. And and like, I don't, not to say that I don't want to be like, dogmatic and like this is the answer because the thing is when people go to therapy people have different problems it's not all one issue for everyone across or it's different things they're going to therapy deal with different problems but when hurting people do hurt other people so when you heal yourself you're healing other people Mm. (laughs) really and so until our society and world can learn to heal itself individually in which you know, I love individualistic mindsets and collective mindsets, but I feel like we need into some way synthesize them together and not be like either or. It's like, yeah. why can't we now synthesize this together and have that balance of individual and the society as a whole of understanding, you know, before you want to help other people, you have to help yourself and fix yourself. Yeah. So kind of, I feel like that's the stage of life where I am in right now with therapy and as I'm getting ready. Um, to study psychology, it's like, you know what, I'm like, before I jump into psychology and become a psychology therapist, like, I need to really work through a lot of shit. And psychologists are required (laughs) to go to therapy (laughs) to work through their own shit, because you don't need to bring that into your therapy session. No, for (laughs) real. I've I've said I'm a therapist where I'm like, oh, I'm triggering some shit for you right now. (laughs) Like, (laughs) sorry, we should mix (laughs) this up. You should not be my therapist. (laughs) Um, Yeah, for real. 
real andrew man i i'm just realizing the time um i we, know we wrap up. we should wrap <laughs> up um this has been great i've really enjoyed chatting uh it's been almost three hours hasn't it how, how, how can people connect with you and and, and follow you yes. reach out to you you know so yeah. i am very active on instagram and i have my link tree on instagram and it will have all my socials all the different things i've done and i have a lot of mental health resources and books in my link tree also right. to help people and so on my Instagram, that's where I'm super active on. And it's Andrew Pletcher. And like the A is a four. And like okay. the pro the profile pic is of like a painting of me that I like. I thought it was cool. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll get I'll get a link to the uh to the profile so yeah, people don't have to hunt exactly. too hard for you. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so and like for people who want to know what I'm doing right now with my social media. I'm like bringing awareness to um, religious trauma and like educating people on mental health and encouraging people to seek those tools and also like understanding the psychology and the harmfulness of fundamentalism. Mm. And like I post a lot of quotes too, just that I've kind of come up with on my own over the years that I just put down on my notes, just like that some of them can be controversial. And I think that's why some of them people love them. It's like, I try to say what people are afraid to say, mm. because now I can actually, like, I'm free from that environment. No one can really hurt right. me anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like, I can say, and like, there are a lot of people that are like, and so I'm sure you've gotten messages too, where people are like, I'm so glad you are doing this and mm. taking the courage to say these things. You have all these people who are against you. And like, for me personally, my page is not at all about basically saying, oh, this religion is wrong or this is false. It's not about dogma at all. It's about teaching people to find their autonomy through mental health and psychology and knowledge, really. Mm. And that you can find the answers that you want. And so, and I try, I do have also an IGTV show called Speaking Up, which you were on recently yeah. i loved having you on so much it's, it's my it's my favorite episode so far oh wow serious because like i you <laughs> really helped me learn a lot more about um deconstruction and no like figuring out the statistics and the misconceptions and like how the gospel coalition has just <laughs> been <laughs> misrepresenting so many people. surprise surprise yeah <laughs> And yeah, so for me, my platform too is like, I want to give people a chance to share their stories, you know, when they're ready to do that and to process yeah. it. And, you know, one day I do plan to make it into a podcast, but like, not now. Like, I don't want to be that person who's like, I'm going to do a podcast and then do two episodes <laughs> about it. Cause I've seen that happen so many times. Dude, I, I feel attacked right now. Um, I, I, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm on an episode, this is probably gonna be like 140 or something, but but it's over like years because I like do like a whole bunch of episodes and then I just like go, ah, I'm bored doing podcasts. And yeah. I go back to it like six months later and everyone's yeah. messaging me like, when is the next podcast episode? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm distracted <laughs> right now. I'll, I'll come back to it one day. Um, well, I mean, yeah, at, I, least you, I at least you come back to it. Though, I do come like, back I, eventually. <laughs> that's, when I, it's like, I look at a podcast and like, this is so cool. And like, they've had two episodes from like three years ago and I'm like yeah oh. it's the worst right it's the worst <laughs> it when you're like, I love, it's like when you it's like when you get into a brand new show on Netflix and you're like, this is amazing and then you're like oh and it yes. got cancelled at the end of season one <laughs> damn it yes like, so yeah. like good good for you for keep coming back and like I need to listen to an episode <laughs> I know you recently interviewed the naked pastor 
I right? did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious. I'm curious about him because he's one I followed. Like, oh, he's amazing. You should definitely have of, him on. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. But um, it was so good. This talking. was fun. It was great. I love oh. I love the long form because I love ch- I was talking to yeah. my wife earlier. I'm like, I love talking with Andrew like last time we talked, but it's it's quite short form. And it's also like you're asking me to give like my data yeah. points and stuff with less conversational. And I'm like, I always <laughs> love having people on because it's just like I have no agenda here other than we just yeah. chat about random stuff and see where it goes. Um, yeah. Like obviously people have their niches that they're educated on. Yeah. You know, you, you think uh-huh. about homeschooling, you think about mental health, you know, these uh-huh. kind of things, religious trauma. So yeah. we're gonna talk mm-hmm. about that, of course. Yeah. But mm-hmm. there's no pressure, it's it's just relaxed. Yeah. So I feel like it's, it's really fun. Really, I think the authenticity is nice. Yeah, but yeah that's that's the struggle with my Instagram show because like I wanted to limit it to 30 minutes and there were some people I'll talk for an hour and like nine minutes. Oh, God. Like, How well I was mine. I must have talked for ages. I, I can't remember. Like, it's fine if people talk that long. My fear is like, will Instagram actually upload this? Right. Yeah. It? Was it just like crash? You just be like, sorry, it was too like, long. Crash. You're done. And then it's gone. So I'm like, thankfully, yeah. every episode has been able to upload. So like, for me, it's like, if it gains more of a following, I'll switch to probably podcast mm. um, form. Probably, I might like wait a year and just see if people actually like it or not. People are liking it right now. I feel like, cause like they share it with their family and friends or like, look at, yeah. I share my story here. And like, for me, it's just kind of giving people the microphone, I guess, yeah. in a sense, letting them say, then you say, cause it's like, to me, it's like the more we encourage other people to speak up, the more I feel like we can change the systemic issues because so many people have been silent. And like, if yeah. we can start helping people speak up, you know, and like, I love the deconstruction movement online with all these different accounts, um, yeah. like with yours and like, there's, um, what's your, I don't know to say her last name. It's like Joe Lumen. Lumen. Yeah. Lumen. Okay. Got it right. I love her. Yeah. She's oh, amazing. So much. And um, I think, is it Andrew Curbs, the Destruct, Deconstruct Everything? I love yeah. his stuff too. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, there are others. There's like, there's like heretic theology or something. And of course, naked pastor. Like there's these like and like um talk purity home to yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but yeah, it's just so interesting to just see because when I started it, I was like, it was so weird to me to think of myself as an influencer because it's not something my personality type would do. Right. But as people talk to me, they're like, you know, you're becoming an influencer, Andrew, right? I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, don't say that. <laughs> like, it's funny. I find that every day I'm like constantly like, please do not look at me as someone that has answers. Please. Because <laughs> yes. honestly, I get scared by any of my answers. So, yeah. Uh, so, some people say that. I'm like, to me, it's, like, <laughs> it's so funny because I'm like, if I'm taking my pain and I, am I trying to be a brand or something? Like, you know, <laughs> I never thought that. Like, <laughs> oh, every time, every time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Andrew, this yeah. is so much fun. I, I really loved it. Thanks so much. We'll have you on again at some point. We'll, we'll do another chat oh, at some point. Be good I fun. would but, uh, yeah. definitely love to. Cool. All right. Well, catch you later. Yeah, I love you, man. All right. I love you. I'll see you. Peace. Bye. If you are deconstructing, there is no reason to do this alone. It can be an incredibly lonely process, but the deconstructionnetwork.com is a free resource to help you find others deconstructing in your local area. If you would like to support what I do, everything I do is for free from talking to people for hours on ends to producing resources and podcasts. 
Um, it is only possible because people give uh, generously. There is never any need to give. Um, it will always be free, everything I do. But if you do, we do have an amazing private community group that we talk on over on Discord um, that you would gain access to. And we do regular audio and video chats on there as well. So it'd be great to see you in there. But of course, never any requirement. And of course, please, please, please come and talk to me on Instagram. I love connecting with people. I love helping people on their journey. If you need a safe space to process your deconstruction, I would love to connect. It's just at Phil Drysdale. Love every one of you. Peace. All right, that was Andrew Pledger. I hope you enjoyed the conversation we had there. Um, I certainly enjoyed it. Um, it was not a short one. And so well done for hanging in there and making it to the end. I'm impressed if you have made it that far. If you did, I'm assuming you loved it. Please shoot Andrew a message on Instagram. Let him know that you love this conversation. Um, thank him for taking the time to do it. It's no short, uh, no small feat uh, com committing three hours of your time to talk to a, uh, an internet stranger. And so, yeah, do let him know that you loved it. Um, do connect with him on Instagram. Uh, he's, he's posting some great stuff. He's got his podcast. He's doing his Instagram lives and things like that. Um, his Instagram, as he mentioned, is uh, what's well, Andrew Pledger with a four for that first A. So four Andrew pleasure. <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes um, so you can get that a bit easier. Uh, but hopefully my description worked uh, and you've managed to bash that out on your phone. Um, do, like I said, shoot me a message, let me know you loved it. I'm sure he'd appreciate that. It's always nice getting some positive feedback um, after you've done something like this. It can be very, there's a lot of vulnerability hangover for, for the Brene brand fans. That vulnerability hangover is real after you do a podcast and you bury your soul. Um, and so, yeah, uh, that was great. All right, uh, that's enough for me. If you want to support what I'm doing, um, check out uh, my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Phil Drysdale. Um, as little as five bucks a month can make a big difference um, in helping me uh, do everything I do for free. Uh, as a thank you, you get access to our Discord, you get access to monthly Zooms with me and things like that. Um, and as I said at the beginning, check out the deconstructionnetwork.com. All right, that's everything for me. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. We've got uh, another exciting uh, podcast lined up. Um, I think our next one is with, uh, ooh, actually, I don't know who it's with. I think it's with Eve Was Framed. And I know a lot of you are big fans of Eve Was Framed over on uh, Instagram and TikTok especially. Uh, and we have a great conversation for you. And so, um, yeah, you can look forward to that one. I'll see you then. And in the meantime, shoot me a message anytime. Like I said at the beginning, I'm over on Instagram. I'm a Phil Drysdale. Um, just shoot me a message if you need someone to talk to I'm always here alright love you all peace